to Triples in Ecstasy, a production of Sweet Media. This is Admiral James T. Kirk of Federation Starship Enterprise. Your presence here is an act of war. You have two minutes to surrender your crew and your vessel, or we will destroy you. Admiral Kirk, this is your opponent speaking. Do not lecture me on treaty violations, as this broadcast is intended for mature audiences. In the following podcast, there will be thoughts and opinions expressed that in no way reflect your federation, this station, website, or affiliated partners. Who is this? How dare you? Who I am is not important. Listener discretion is... Klingon best. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Trips. Her encore mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new content and new stuff, to follow the girl with no podcast. It's gone before. Hello and welcome to episode 270 of Dribbles and Ecstasy. I'm your host Midnight Shadow and joining me in the studio today we have got Sun Seal and Geese. Welcome back. Hello everyone. Hey everybody. So once again it's been a little bit since we were able to broadcast but hopefully once again we're hoping to try and be back on a weekly basis. So First of all, let's head over to find out what's been going on in Star Trek Online. Star Trek Online. Since we've been gone, we've had the new update drop. So this is um, the new expansion which comes with a new fleet holding. We've got a new specialization, um, new featured episode. Um, we've got, was it Red Alerts? We've got a new one of those. A Red Alert, two new Red Alert. Views. That's it. Um, yeah, so quite a bit that's been out. And we've also had a weekend event store that's been added. Um, try to think new lockbox uh yeah so few things to go into so first of all the weekend event store so this was great um begin with when we heard there was an event store coming um i hadn't heard it was just weekend so i thought yay i've got a couple of things still stuck in the queue but of course um one of them include the mirror event which isn't actually a weekend one so it's like oh. <laughs> but um no, I like the fact that um, with the last weekend events that went on, which was the Kobayashi Maru, which 
unfortunately I didn't get time to actually get in game to play. Um, well, when I did, but the project was no longer available because obviously they they knew that it was like the day before <laughs> it finished. Right. So <laughs> they'd obviously removed the thing from the queue so I couldn't even line it up. So it's like, ah. Interestingly enough, uh, I had this sort of argument with myself when they were doing the week-long thing of uh, Arena, the week-long Arena of Sunpack. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm playing this like two or three times, and it's like, I can't slot these merits into the weekend thing for the Sunpack Lightning. And that's kind of when I logged out of the game for the rest of the week and didn't finish the, the, the new Arena. Because why bother? didn't want the new thing. I wanted the lightning. Then the weekend event store comes along and they say, hey, you know what? If you have at least one item in any of the weekend things that we've had, or if you have at least um, one of the little tokens for the weekend events, that will finish that event for you. You will get it unlocked. It will be a permanent account unlock. And then there will be this weekend event store that you can slot a generic weekend token into for three and buy the new thing whenever it comes out. And then that will be account unlocked and available for all your other characters. Like, okay, it's nice. But it's a good thing. Just a shame it hadn't been released a while back. But well, as it definitely with means it, it definitely means they're going to take the two and three week long events and have weekend events out of them like they did the um like they do the Alachi alert weekends and stuff. Yeah, I they think we just... They might actually add stuff to the Alachi alert weekends now. Possibly. And we could, will hopefully start seeing a lot more of them. Because if, of course, all these things are to do with weekend alert... Um, weekend alerts, weekend events, then hopefully they'll actually go about doing something each and every weekend, trying to draw people in. Well, I mean, it would it would finally mirror what they're doing on the console. Yeah, I, I had noticed that with the console the event calendar was always quite full um, except when I went to look last week and there's just like nothing on it apart from Hearts and Minds. <laughs> Jeez, have you noticed it? Um, has anything been reappearing on the event calendar for the console? Um... No, you haven't been in it too much recently. No, I'm, no I've got to be honest, I haven't been in it. Um, I've just been checking out the website, actually, and um, <laughs> there's a nice uh, picture of Geordie uh, there with no goggles on um, on the main page, which is quite good, which is unusual to see um, since we're talking about the latest updates and stuff. Uh, in terms of new stuff... Uh, Folio and Red Alert, maybe. Um, I know... I know that we are getting pretty much the same as what the PC are getting, um, but we're just getting it a lot slower by the looks of it. Like, for instance, they're still advertising the uh, Agents of Yesterday, where I know that on the PC, obviously, they've moved on since then. Yeah, Agents of Yesterday was, well, even for the console, was quite a while ago now. Yeah, I know that they, I think they have brought out Escalation for the console. Um, I'll have to double check that one. But by the looks of it, like the kind of news is that there's been a lot of sales and and uh, bundles being driven on the uh, console to, I'm guessing, to get the money-making schemes up. 
But then there was, you know, nice little R&D packs on sale. Um, like I said, ship bundles and stuff. Um, Bushfire, is that part of the expansion pack? Uh, the new expansion pack? Uh, I think that was part of last season. That was the uh, prequel. I'm uh, not prequel. That was the... It was the featured episode before the launch of Emergence. It's sort of, it's the lead-in. Ah. Okay, well, that's what, that's pretty, I mean, I've just seen a, a news thing for that, which was dated, I know it's a while ago now, but it was dated September. Um, and then obviously, like I said, after that, it's been pretty much sales packs and things like that. Um, so Bushfile was the last thing that they did, so they must be pretty close to the PC. Okay, so probably by the end of the month, um, beginning of November, probably see um, the new stuff getting pushed to console then. Probably. Yeah, definitely. Okay. I mean, during the show, I'm going to try and get on anyway, so I'll probably have a little bit of an update at, towards the end of the show. You will. Okay, so, so yeah, that was the weekend event store. So um, overall, I think it's a great addition. And hopefully that will bring in more weekend stuff. Now I just need time available in the weekends to play. <laughs> Wait, that's every person's dream at the moment. Uh, anyway. I've, I've, just, I've just got no time. So, yeah, we've had patch notes um, in the last couple of weeks. So let's see what's been going on in the PC we've had. In celebration for the 30th, they gave away the Federation Type 7 shuttle, um, scant uniforms, um, as we already mentioned, the weekend event, the Galaxy Bridge interior that we mentioned in the last show was released. Um, We had the Kobayashi Maru. Um, They sort of also rolled out some fixes to that because I think there were some bugs. Um, But yeah, I did manage to play it just the once, um, but I did enjoy it. Uh, problems with the weekend events they're never around long enough <laughs> oh thank you thank you Gonastra yes they, they finally added the tier 6 late cruisers to the console as well yeah, which I was got... I, I actually went on this like rant in our Facebook chat for triples because on their Facebook page I don't know who was running the Facebook page for like the first couple of hours that that thing was up on their Facebook page about the tier six Lake cruisers. It said PC captains and not console captains. But yeah, uh, we had got that in the console news, but yeah, that's the only thing I actually had in console news because the, as Guy said, hasn't been really much coming out because well, just like on PC, there hadn't been much really going on just before the new update. So, um, yeah, you've got the Fleet Advanced Light Cruiser um, Tier 6. You've got the Reliant Class Advanced Light Cruiser Tier 6. And the, was it, Kehoop Advanced Light Battle Cruiser? Probably butchered what it's called. Um, which, again, tier all Tier 6. And the Fleet Kehoop Advanced Light Battle Cruiser. Uh, the Deleth Advanced Light Warbird Battle Cruiser and the Fleet Deleth Advanced Light Warbird Battle Cruiser. So they have all been released on the console. So I personally haven't actually got these ones. So, but I'm sure Timberwolf has done some videos on at least some of them. 
So uh, go check out his YouTube channel. So I have something there on it. Um, we had Beyond the Nexus. So I'm trying to think. Was Bushfire the one before, or was that actually Beyond the Nexus, or was that? No, no, no. Bush Brushfire was the one in the Briar Patch with the saving the Martok. That's right. Yeah. So. Beyond the Nexus was our introduction to Mister LaForge. Yeah, I got them the wrong way round. So yeah, if the console is on Brushfire, then yeah, you've got um, the lead up coming. You've got thirteen point five right now. Yeah, so that that's basically the end of thirteen point five, um, and then yeah, the lead up to fourteen is the one with Jordy. Ooh, fourteen. What you are saying with Jordy without his visor, that would be too expected because we know from when we've seen things of him in the future that he doesn't actually need his visor. He's actually got implants. He's got ocular implants that act as his visor. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Which is, it? Which is what which is what he has in stow. Yeah. Well, I was going to say. I mean, it has to make sense, doesn't it? By being in the future, you know, he has to get something done. So, um, here's a question. Yeah. When are when are the alien gen or human characters or any characters going to have access to those eyes? <laughs> Because they're not normal eyes. No, they're not. Who knows? Maybe saying they'll be added. Okay, now we also had the new featured episode that's been released called Melting Pot, which was a fun episode. Now, you didn't like it, did you, son? Just assuming I didn't like stuff. <laughs> mm. No, I just know Shame what, what you're you. going to say, so... <laughs> Shame on you, assuming things. But no, I didn't like it. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I actually did kind of enjoy this episode. Well, first of all, what did you think of the map? I really liked it. I think it, it's something different. Um, a lot lighter, because of course, you're in the open. But it's still got enough sort of interior. And it, unlike a lot of the other things that we see, because we're in like ships and other things, that it mm -hmm. tends to be a lot darker. It was, I think my first impression was, oh, look, all of these shuttles are here. That's nice. A Ferengi shuttle. That's a little weird, but okay, whatever. And um, as we start going along, I notice, oh, these doors are shut. These doors are shut. These doors are shut. Okay, cool. These are open, and, and I'm basically following the story along, and at one point, they want me to go over to this other console, and I'm like, I'm gonna go up these stairs over here on the right. Bye! And, um, I guess this was within the first couple of hours of the mission, because I run around the entire, like, setup of this little colony, get out, uh, get down to the ground floor, wind up going into the water, so, like, my captain and her two bridge officers are standing in the water at the bottom of the water, so, like, she's... If, if any other person did that, they would start, they would, they would start drowning, right? So she's, like, <laughs> completely covered in water, and these bridge officers are wearing their rebreathers because all of my bridge officers now have rebreathers equipped just because. 
So they're the only two things here that have the rebreathers on, and 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 here's my captain just going underwater. And every time they move, even while underwater, it's got the little the little wavy splash things, like like she's taking steps through the water. But instead of it being at her feet like it normally would be, it's literally at her waist. It's like, <laughs> wow, that's a little weird. And um, uh, midnight, you said you you had gone out there and you actually got teleported back to to land when you got too far. Yeah, that wasn't actually doing the mission. This was actually going to the colony. The colony itself, okay. And when I was going across the water, I thought, yeah, I'll just take a shortcut over the water. And yeah, got part way across and got transported back to the colony. It's like, well, wait, I don't want to go there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, okay, so, so okay. Uh, this was in the mission, so uh, that seems to be a bug that probably needs to be fixed with the mission. But uh, if you do that... Stay away from the coral, coral. You'll get stuck in the coral, coral. <laughs> y- y- no, I'm, I'm absolutely being all, all Walking Dead jokes aside. The, the, the stuff that they have in the, in the little bay area under the, under the colony itself, you can get yourself quite stuck in. Uh, and. Then I decided, hey, you know what? There's this huge, long stretch of beach. I'm going to go run down it. So I start running down it, and it takes me, like, a minute or two to get down, and there's, like, a little substation further down that I guess is part of the normal colony as you upgrade the normal colony. And I whip back around like I'm going to head to towards the colony, and on this cliff face, there's this, like this big open hole because of a like a natural arch, but there's nothing behind it. It's just open space, and I go, "Ooh, what's that way?" So I jump up these rocks, and suddenly, oops, whoa! Down into the map, I fall in to the bottom of the map underwater, and I have to beam out and beam back in to fix it. So yeah, don't uh, don't go exploring too much on the new episode map because you know in the known known issues right now for for Stowe it says there's stuff that's not working right. I mean they even blatantly say like some of the stuff doesn't even have textures. So there's definitely stuff that's not even working right in the new episode. I suppose for a fleet holding this is probably the biggest map that we've had. Probably, yeah. Because barring New Romulus, which the embassy is a different map which you go into. Um, yeah, I don't think we've got anything else as big. So they have used it for the mission as well, so it has got extra use out of it. Right, well, see, there's that's um, that, that's probably the difference. See, I'd, I'd say that the... Um, until this map, I think our biggest map would probably have been the um, the the Dyson Spire, and not from a not from a walk from one into the other point of view, but from the um this there's like the 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 windows that come down that that was that one of those special things that the the windows the you, essentially when you activate those you're activating a balcony that goes further out into the 
the, the that map background. You can't do that with like the starbase. You you can't activate a little lift to go up and out into the starscape of the you know of the starbase itself. Yeah, but I think size wise, it's still the biggest one we've had map wise. Oh no, yeah, this is definitely yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, until this, I would say it would have been the spire that had the. The, the biggest to me, but there are probably some who say, no, 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 it's it's definitely going to be the, the mine. And yeah, for for coverage space, definitely, I'd agree with that. And probably in a, some respects still the most complex one, because you've got underwater, you've got above water, and you've got all the different features that we get to unlock. So the fact that it's buggy, and as we know, with anything that comes out, there's always something that hasn't been counted from, and you can guarantee that a player will do something that standard playtests don't usually bring up. But it's 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 one of those things where you, you look at something like that and you go, hmm, yep, we're dealing with Bethesda-type issues right here. Bethesda? B- Bethesda, the people who make, like, the Elder Scrolls and the the new Doom series and Wolfenstein and okay, the Fallout series. No, they're, you said Bethesda. I just thought the military hospital. Oh, okay. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean the game company. I've I've been watching way too much Jag and NCIS. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. No, yeah, no. Bethesda's but, kind of. So I, I was just really confused. I'm thinking. What does a hospital have to do with anything? <laughs> <laughs> but no, like Bethesda's kind of notorious for having these these weird bugs in their game, but everybody's still like in love with their products. And it's it's absolutely mind-boggling how some of these quite literally game-breaking issues exist in the game and nobody ever I mean, it seems like nobody ever thought to test that specific thing, but then you get into the mindset of the ga- of a gamer, and a gamer's like, uh, let's get to that point as fast as possible. Let's not fast travel, and let's run through everything in the map to get to that point. Uh, oops. Suddenly, there are huge holes in the map you didn't realize existed. It seems like some, you know... Somebody would would try and figure out if there were holes there or not. Well, it's not always because of that. Sometimes some of these bugs can be related to other things that aren't just player actions. But uh, but yeah, sometimes it could just be they just don't go to exactly the right spot. But still, I think this map has it's impressive and definitely something I like. Um, I've only had a chance. I do think that um, in the mission itself, the mission itself, the um, the go here indicators, you know, the little arrows that show up in it, could be a bit more contrast against the the coloration of the colony itself, because it's easy to miss those and not see where it's telling you to go when you're exploring the colony. They just they just blend in a little too well. Yeah, so far I've played the mission once, I've gone down to the colony once and done the little mini-missions for the provisions. I haven't actually had a chance to, sort of, I had a look around, but yeah, there's still a lot more that I want to take a look at and 
when I get the chance to replay it. But uh, yeah, definitely something I'm looking forward to getting back into games to actually play. So uh, we didn't talk about, should we talk about the um, previous episode right now? Should we talk about that? Yeah. Okay. So that was, I've forgotten what the name of it's called again. Um, Beyond, Beyond the, the Nexus. Nexus. So this is where Ooh. we get back with Geordie LaForge. And, well, we talk to him as if we've known, because I think one of the first things he says is, it's good to see you again. Yeah! That was a little weird, wasn't it? Well, with all the things going on, and like the previous wars, we may have had communications with him before. It just wasn't in the storyline. Um, that's how I'm just going to palm it off to sort of thing. Though we haven't met, met maybe, or I don't know. But it, I, I did sort of, I think, hmm, I'm sure we haven't met him yet. <laughs> but it but wasn't. See, that's, see, that's the thing. If we were if we were in communication with him and meeting him for the first time, if he would say, it's great to finally meet you, not it's great to see you again. Yeah, but with vi- you can see somebody like at the moment we have things like Skype and stuff like that. We've got Facebook mm-hmm. video that you can meet someone and see them. And he does say it's nice to see you again rather than meet you. So it could be that he has actually seen you in some sort of visual communication. I was thinking that. Maybe he's seen you before in some sort of okay, timeline okay. bit that they haven't mentioned. But like, if you're heading like, out to see him, maybe you've opened up a channel to sort of say, right, we will be here at this time. So you've actually had a meeting before you sort of, like, okay, arrived. Okay, like Nick said this morning, you're reaching midnight, come on. Like, we literally had an RP blog dedicated entirely to a correspondence between Seven and Janeway. And even though we only saw the Seven correspondence, you know, it's pretty obvious that this was written and not a verbal Skype communication. Mm, I don't know. Given the fact that most of the communications we saw on TV were all visual for the most part. Except except all the times that people got letters from their family. No, I'm talking about you're on the way to somewhere, they put it on the main screen, Captain saying, right, we'll be there at such and such a time, or we're on our way. That was all done via the main view screen. But anyway. Uh, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, uh... It was weird. That's 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 all. It was weird. Fair um, enough. Gone astray in chat says it could have been more of a nod and a wink to him being back as Geordie in years. Told ya. And the term "good to see you again" could be related to his eyes and the fact that he actually has eyes with op- rather than visor sort of thing. So who knows? There's all kinds of layers to this, and it's just weird all the way around. But the thing is, we could just be completely overanalyzing it, (laughs) (laughs) as we do. We're we're Star Trek fans, it's what we do. So, yeah, going back to the mission, anyway. So, yeah, we greet Geordie. (laughs) We greet Geordie, and we're going to investigate another ship, another galaxy-class ship, that uh, is investigating the reappearance of a Wrath of Khan-era ship that disappeared in the Nexus. Okay, cool. Uh... Suddenly, massive, huge beam 
like just smashes through the uh, the challenger, which is Jordy's ship. For for those of you who who have watched Voyager, that was the ship that that Jordy was the captain of, in in those alternate future timelines. Yep, as and, he chased uh, Chakotay and Kim. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, yeah. Uh, so so he's disabled, but we're still able to beam him over to our ship, and then beam over to the the what was it the the God, I want to say it was the Madison, but I don't think it was. Uh, I can't remember what the ship is called. Uh, maybe someone in the, chat can the, remember. The Forestall was the Wrath of Khan era ship. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was a Miranda class, wasn't it? No, is it not Miranda? In, in, in any case, we bu- we beam over to the relatively newer ship with the old galaxy interior. It was. It was one of those ah, moments to see the green foam in the teleporter room. I mean, come on. If anybody if anybody who says they're a fan of TNG, they know of that green like sound foam in the transporter room and just how like weird, I mean not like in a bad way, but it, how contrasting it was to the rest of the transporter room is just this green wall of foamy-looking stuff. I'm not really sure what you're referring to, because I don't remember. When you transport into the 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 galaxy bridge on in this episode, in this episode, the 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 traditional galaxy class Enterprise bridge, the back of the transporter room. Behind the console where O'Brien would be is this green sound foam stuff on the wall. I hadn't noticed. I remember when we went to the bridge, they'd got a room for... Um, you'd got the captain's um, ready room. You'd also got... Um, is that not, the bit, where, is that not the bit where Wolf stands with on the console? Is that what you mean? That big sort of arch bit, and then behind you, you've got the engineering console, but... O'Brien was mainly in the transport room, wasn't he? Well, I guess I need to go... F- Let me go find an image of it. Sorry. I'm just trying to think, because when I'm picturing the TNG bridge, I'm thinking, obviously, you've got the three chairs, and just above that, you've got Wolf at the tactical Not station. Not the bridge. Oh. The transporter room. Ah. You beaming into the ship, into the transporter room. Uh, I still don't re- recall seeing anything green. But, um, yeah, I can't think of where the green is, but I, I know I'm trying to picture the room and I've got an idea of what you mean. Okay, so there would be the disc for the transporter itself, right? Yeah. And then opposite the disc is the the console that O'Brien would stand at, right? Yep. And then immediately behind him is a wall, right? Okay. That wall has got like this sound foamy... It's 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 basically sound foam, and what sound foam is is it's like foam padding that's got like divots in it, like a Toblerone, to cancel vibrations from from speaking. It's used in a sound room. Yep, got ya. But it was green. Every time we saw it, it was this green colored like foam stuff. Oh, okay. I'll have to have a look and replay it. Yeah, I think it's one of the ones we've got to do that. 
I found a very low quality picture of it. I will share it in both the the the. I'll just share it. But no, I, it's it's in both the Twitch chat and in our chat. But I was impressed with the bridge, and I did like the fact that there was actually a toilet on the bridge. Yeah, I still don't remember that being green when beaming in. How how could you? Okay, you need to go play that episode again. Obviously. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but now, to me, I'm sure it was something like beige or something. Uh, I'll, yeah, I'll have to have a look. <laughs> uh, but um, but no, I do like all the effort they put into the interior for the Galaxy class. Um, yeah, on the bridge, there's actually a toilet. The door doesn't open a bit like... Um, so, but it's just the way they acknowledge that people would need to go to the toilet. So... That made me chuckle. It was, it was, it was a little weird. From you know, you, you didn't have much discussion of of any sort of restroom facility in the Toss era. Come TNG, you had like little bathrooms, but they were mostly a sink, a mirror with a little cabinet behind it, and and that was basically it. And you would hear you would hear talk of like taking a shower and stuff, but you wouldn't see anything. Like the only time we ever saw anything close to resembling a bath was when Worf and Alexander and Waxana were in the mud baths. <laughs> then we well, get to Voyager, and all of a sudden, well, then we get to Voyager, and all of a sudden we have sonic showers. Cool, except except they put Neelix in the one quarters, the one quarters in the entire ship that actually had a bathtub. He filled it with water and put bubbles in it. <laughs> but um, we do actually have um, a comment on. Yeah, it was Voyager. Um, Neelix want they're being attacked, and Neelix says saying that um, a lot of the bathrooms are down, and of course there are big queues and saying about the Bolians. I think that's the only proper reference to a toilet that we've ever had in Trek. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, you know, could, I look at it from the standpoint of every good southern person ever that you're supposed to eat everything that's on your plate, and you, if you don't, you're a bad person. So I look at all the times people are in the middle of eating, and then they get called to do something, and they literally hop up and leave their food, and I'm like, you bastard! That's good food you're wasting! <laughs> so, what do you think of the overall storyline for that entire mission? It looks like it's a setup for the next big conflict, sadly. Hey, man, I mean, there's something big coming in STO by the looks of it, so it wouldn't surprise me. There's always something bigger than the last thing in STO. <laughs> yeah. I did think it was a little bit too easy to defeat the villain. It's like, oh, you got me. Oh, that's it. It's like, what? <laughs> well, okay, okay. From from that perspective, from that perspective, I kind of one hundred percent agree that it should have been that easy, considering how he speaks about the Nexus. For for all. For all of the for all of the crap he does to us, we have a sim we have like 
we have essentially freed him from his prison. We yeah. have literally taken him from jail to put him in another jail. Even though that jail is not the Nexus, it's still outside of the Nexus. Yeah, he doesn't want to go back to him. The Nexus is just a living nightmare. But yeah, well, it just seems, I will destroy you. I am all powerful. Oh, it's all right. I'll come quietly. <laughs> like any good British villain. It's just like, well... But no, I, I did enjoy it. As I said, I think... Also, as I said, I was just in awe with the amount of detail for the Galaxy cast interior. Oh, yeah. And, and Nick Ten having all of his lead designery people's names on the doors. That was fun. But yeah, I, I, I want to go and have a look at it. I need to go actually buy it. Because, um, yeah, it's... It is very, very impressive. So, um, yeah, need to remember to do that at some point. So, of course, since that featured episode, we've got the new one called Melting Pot. So this is the first time where we go down to the new colony, which is also the new fleet holding. So if you haven't played it, spoilers. So pause and go play it. It's been out. Well, almost an entire week now. Yeah, this. Yeah, I brought this up earlier. It would. It seems a little bit off for us to to say no spoilers and then essentially wait an almost second whole week to discuss this episode. Yeah. So if you haven't gone to play it, pause. Go play. So, of course, we've got back um, Kimaki, and it brings back LaForge, and this time. We've got the Lakari and Kentari working together, and we've well, it basically gets attacked. Well, let's let's start off by this supposedly being a hidden colony or a hidden planet with a hidden moon inside of anomaly that you can't really find unless you're specifically looking for said anomaly, right? Yeah, unless you're literally on top of it, scanners don't pick it up. So, so for the the first bit of the mission, we're essentially trying to help them acquire uh, scanning data and telemetry and geology for the for the for why the anomaly is the way it is and why it can perfectly cloak this planet. I, I, I you didn't see me there, but I I said perfectly in air quotes, right? Because <laughs> yeah. So then we get down to the planet, and the place we beam into is a kind of a shuttle landing area, which is awesome. She's got the Romulan shuttle there, a Klingon shuttle there, a couple of of uh, a couple of Federation shuttles, and a single Ferengi shuttle right down there at the bottom. I'm like, okay, okay, cool. Uh, I'm Miss Kamarki and Mister LaForge. Let's go explore the colony, right? Yay! That's what we're gonna do. Basically, Kumarki gives us this big, huge info dump of the Kentari are great space builders. Not not as in outer space, but in taking a small and confined space and maximizing it in the most efficient way possible to be a building. 
Yeah, and they're merging that experience and knowledge with their knowledge of doing things that the, are good the for the environment right. and, uh, well, green. <laughs> so. Yeah, the Lupari the, the are sharing in this small space the both the aesthetic of of a greener less polluted society while also showing the kentari that hey having these plants here and these specific plants will also help filter out toxins it will keep uh the natural fauna and flora that may be aggressive towards what we're doing at bay and and this other stuff so it's basically this big huge info dump of this is their culture this is the the other culture the fitting of them together just seems to go together and even though they have their social differences from being enemies all these for all these years their design philosophies have always had this yin and yang that just go together so um and yeah. then we then we we get to go and see the science lab, which you know naturally you'd think, oh cool, it's a science lab. It's gonna have all kinds of little botany plants and them studying the minerals of the rock. And and y- yeah, you would be correct until we find that they've taken until we find out that the moon in which this little utopia exists, cloaked quote unquote perfectly cloaked, uh. Contains those little crystals that the Zenkethi have been going nuts over with the whole genociding entire planets with protomatter. And then we find out that the two scientists in the science lab have kind of snuck a couple of those crystals into the colony. Like doofuses. Yeah, Kamaki's like, you've done what? (laughs) And naturally... And Kathy suddenly show up because we're perfectly cloaked, right? Quote unquote, perfectly cloaked, right? The first thing they do, the first thing they do, is fire the weapon that we were trying to keep them from having built, uh, keep them from building, and like all of the other previous cues that we've been running because war. And they fire a proto matter torpedo at the moon and fry it. Yeah, looks like uh, looks like our last uh, our, all those other cues that we did against the Zenkethi weren't that successful. Now were they? Hmm. Then the Zenkethi read planet and go, oh, oh, there's an infestation of these things here too. You better send down a squad to clear out everybody and make sure that this is a real infestation and not our sensors going nuts. Okay, that's just a little weird, me. Because you just opened fire with a protomatter torpedo on an entire moon, but you're just a little bit worried that you need to make sure that the infestation is accurate on the planet, right? Well, if they picked up the stuff on the moon, which is what sent them there in the first place. It's not. It's not. It's, that's much later in the episode that you find out that's not what... That's not what they picked up on. So, so, this is, so at this point, the, the Zinkethi beam start beaming down. And lo and behold, the crystals start breaking, cracking, glowing, that that purple hue as Zenkethi are in orbit. And the scientist makes this observation that I can't remember for sure, I can't remember if it was zombie or timber wolf called out as a thing and said, those are eggs. And the scientist goes, they're hatching. And it's like, oh God, here we go. Enter the new bluegills. 
Although they don't look like bluegills, they look like Geiger alien insects. Oh my god, do these things look like Geiger aliens. And for like me playing the episode for the first time, for a good five or six seconds, they were pretty non-hostile. Then they turned hostile. I was fully willing to just stand there and let them just do their own thing. And then they decided to turn hostile. So we have to fight our way through the colony, not only fighting the Zinkethi, but then fighting off the infestation. Right? Wrong. We get outside and we're start we, we're fighting off the infestation and the Zinkethi, which, by the way, hi Admiral Tanay, team up with us to get rid of the infestation. What? Well, they're there to destroy them, aren't they? Yes, they're there to destroy the insects. I'm okay with this instance of Admiral Tanay, I have to say. I'm okay with it. I mean, it's still obvious that it's Lonnie Manila, but I'm okay with this instance of her being like the Zinkethi good guy in this who goes, look, we're just here to kill the infestation, not you. We're going to go back to our ship, which is what happens after you clear the colony of all of these Geiger insects. And then all of their ships open their weapons to fire. Oh, I forgot to mention... This, the whole time this is going on, Jordy LaForge is, like, constantly screaming, We're tapped into their communications! We're tapped into their communications! And you hear their communications because we're obviously tapped into their communications! <sighs> okay. So we beam up and we have to fight the Zinkethi off, who, who are going to now type proto-matter torpedo the planet, because... Didn't we just agree that, that that it was the, oh, okay, it's a power struggle going on in the ship. And the little fleet that's with the ship. Okay, guess we're going to have to blow up these ships. That's a shame. But not really. Bye, Admiral Tanay! Until we come to the, you know, the battlecruiser, and then we disable the battlecruiser, and we literally get Admiral Tanay going, Wait, wait, stop firing! Stop firing! Look, look, our our captain's been incapacitated. I'm now taking control. Look, I promised you we weren't here to destroy the colony. We're gonna leave now. Oh, and by the way, um, the next time you want to stay hidden in a place, you probably shouldn't be communicating with un uh, unencrypted communications channels, because that's how we found your asses. Basically, the Zinkethi found the whole thing because they were listening to subspace channels. Ah, makes sense now. So basically, listen to radio, find what you want. Yep. Yeah, I don't remember that part. I don't remember that being said, personally. I'll have to have a look when I replay it next. Yeah, I actually kind of enjoyed this episode. I mean, it, it raises a whole lot of it raises a whole lot of other questions, like why are these are these the Zinkethi version of triples? <laughs> I, I, you know, I legitimately have to ask that question because one, the crystals did not break until the Zinkethi were in orbit and were starting to fire on the the moon, which is understandable. Uh. Two, when when all of this happens, when on all the crystals start breaking, they're insects for Christ's sake! You're Zinkethi, and you're fighting insects to the point of you're genociding whole worlds with whole populations because you're afraid of these insects. 
uh, you know, I know we've had some RP blogs talking about the king being in this type of madness with what war he's got going on, but even in madness, there has to be some sort of reason. I'm sure they'll get to that in coming featured episodes. But like, no, I, I like, did think that, why are they so against these ones? And the first thing that came to mind was Starship Troopers. Yeah, it sounds a lot like it, doesn't it? Yeah, but see, the problem is, in Starship Troopers, the insects attacked first. But we don't know that they didn't actually attack the Zenkathi first, because they could be part of this big sort of hive sort of mind and communications, and even through vast distances. Who knows what they'll end up connecting up to. Each and every Zenithi we've seen talk about this in the RP blog has said exactly the same thing. The emperor of the Zenkethi, or the king, or whatever he is called, is fucking nuts with this vendetta he has. Like, every single one admits to it. But they're going to go along with it because they're honorable Zenkethi, and they're going to do what their emperor god king commands. Well, I'm kind of wondering if what happened to the guy who's now currently the ruler of the Zenkethi happened in a, in a Bruce Wayne kind of way. You know, it's, it's get scared of an insect thing, and then that thing probably like attacks one of his pets or kills a friend or something, and now he just has this big, huge vendetta for the rest of his life against those things. To the point of, you know, Roman insanity of appointing his own Zenkethi horse as a senator in whatever senate they may have. If they even have one, right? Or setting fire to a barn and watching all of Rome burns, you know? I don't know. What I'm saying is, every Zenkathi thinks the Emperor is nuts, but they're going along with it because he's the Emperor. Just like what happened in Rome. When in Rome, eh? Well, this whole situation is one big, huge parable of the soldier who... The folly of the soldier just following orders. You know? Yeah. Well, we'll find out eventually where they're going to be taking this. I'm still, I'm still waiting on the the conclusion of the hey, we're a ship that needs to go warn the Federation of this thing that's going on because we're like literally into the next season, and actually finding out wholly about this other stuff even after, way way after this RP blog of the Zinkethi going to warn the Federation. You know, this splinter faction of Zenkethi now going to warn the Federation. And yet, we've already, like, done the entire Lucari reputation, which was unpro- or re-proto-mattering planets to give them life back after the Zenkethi proto-mattered and took it away. Basically, Genesis devising all the proto-matter exploded planets. And now we're in a thing where we're finding out what the crystals are all about, but we still have not heard a single fucking word about this ship that was literally way back in that reputation of the Lucari thing, making its way to the Federation to warn the Federation about a thing, because it seems like information that would be pertinent to us looking for these crystals or dealing dealing in any way whatsoever with these crystals, especially as deep as the Lucari are in dealing with these crystals, considering they're doing the Genesis device thing to all of these planets. Well, as I said, we're only at the beginning of 
this storyline. So I'm sure the start to make a little bit more sense as we go through. Okay, now we did have a comment in chat regarding the previous um, uh, featured episode beyond the Nexus saying that um, the silhouette and the voice um, had a sort of assimilated tone to it, so made them think of like an assimilated Picard um, sort of stuck in the Nexus. That sort of Picard vibe. Uh, I would agree and disagree. I, I would agree in the, that it was this kind of God tone that we've seen several places before. I would disagree on the same merit that this is a this is a tone of voice that we've seen before, specifically on the Federation side with the gateway. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if that does link in to anyone that's sort of known. You know, it would be absolutely hilarious. There, there's like this set of books that exist in in the, I, I guess you'd call it extra canon because CBS doesn't technically consider it canon, so it's kind of extra canon. That um that God from you know from the 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 one movie was sentenced to live in the exact center of our galaxy as a punishment for some stuff he did against the continuum slash the galaxy as a whole. And he had a buddy who was kind of thrown out of the galaxy, and that's why you have the the barrier at the edge of the galaxy as well that nobody can seem to pass through. I'm wondering if... The guy who was thrown out of the galaxy is trying to use the next was trying to use the nexus to get back into the galaxy and just got stuck in the nexus and called it a prison because he was stuck in the nexus. Could be, I suppose. At uh, time will tell. Okay. Um, as well as the new featured episode, um, we've got the new specialization, which is a new primary one. So for that. It's called Miracle Worker, and that's the reason that we had the change in name for the Miracle Worker console. It's very, very handy in space. Mm. So it's a, it's what they a, called it it's now. The um, yeah, the old Miracle Worker trait was the engineering skill that was a big, a big, huge heal to your ship if you were taking massive amounts of damage. Very useful indeed. Mm. And now the. Uh, the miracle worker specialization that we have is uh i have i have never had a bigger smile on my face watching the dps or glass cannon screech in utter frustration that some quote unquote rando tank is healing them when they hit go down fighting and hit 20% health Oh my god, to have those people swear up and down they will report you for healing them. Oh no, the level of cheating I must be doing. Oh, god, please, cry some more tears. I'm drinking it up like fine wine. Damn. <laughs> well, I haven't actually used anything from that specialization so far. And I've 
probably filled out, what was it, 26 um, total slots in there. And I think I've filled out 23 of them. So I just need to get three more to completely fill the entire specialization tree. I only put, I only put three points into the thing and already had, already had DPSers calling me a cheater and, and, and oh my, an exploiter for healing their asses. Oh dear. Oh my god! The rage! It is amazing! But yeah, the new specialization leans heavily on healing and weapon enhancing abilities. So, belaying their roots as an engineering heavy specialization. So, that's the description. So, um, yeah, you can use it as primary or secondary um, specialization. If it's a secondary, it just takes the first 15 abilities. So, um,. But if you uh, use it as a secondary and you have all the slots filled, you will. If you have it slot as a secondary, you still will have. Uh, you will have access to the improved uh, um, trait, captain trait. That's with all specializations that have the ability to slot as secondary or primary. As uh, a primary, you can fill all of the little things, but as a secondary. Even though you only have access to the first 15, you still get the full bore of all of the points in your into your improved captain trait. Now, with this addition, they've also upped the cap for the number of specialization points you can have um, of 180. So if you haven't actually allocated them, um, you can have 180 um, before they basically just disappear into subspace so but yeah i'd got i think it was 23 ready but i haven't really been in game this is the first time that i've i've literally not just been a single token away from just completely filling out a specialization it's usually when we've had a new one it's just like yep that's fine <laughs> but not been able to spend as much time in game as i would like i haven't been able to get all those now We've also had Miracle Worker Bridge Officer Specialization. So um, that way you can um, grant abilities to any of your existing bridge officers. Um, we mentioned earlier about the new Drenor. Have I said that right? Uh, yeah, I think, it, I think that's it. Drenor. Yeah, Drenor. Um, so that's the new fleet holding. So as we mentioned... This time, this is on the same sort of level as the Starbase, so it's got five tiers, not the three for the smaller fleet holdings. So, as usual, there is the primary track and three subtracks with a total of five tiers and lots of unlocks in between. Um, part of Season 14, we've got the Colony Fleet Holding Invasion Scenario. Now, this one is the space one, which I had a play with a couple of nights ago, and that was actually good fun. I actually enjoyed that one. You had a chance to play that at all? No, I've only I've only heard uh, about other people's experiences with it. And, you know, a lot of them say it's fun, and a lot of them go, it's fun, but... Uh, there's no sticking value after the season and or fleet holding is finished. What do you mean sticking value? Just yeah, like um, the same thing. I can't remember who made the comment, but there was um, several different comments made that 
the um the cues themselves offer some kind of like I guess it's the reputation marks or something specifically for the Draenor colony, and I don't know if it's like Lucari marks or something, but it's only available through the Zin- those those Zincathy missions, right? Oh, right, yeah, so, the, the provisions that you get, I think it's 150 that I got awarded with for completing the space one. Well, I mean, no, 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 not, the, not just provisions. The reward itself, is it only Lucari marks, or is it like a choice of marks. Uh, can't remember which one it was. I played a couple of cues. One of them, I remember, was Lakari only with fleet marks as a second option, and the other one had multiple in. So I think I think that one might have been Lakari marks only. See, but you also get, yeah. you also get provisions as well. Right, and see, that's 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 the thing that was brought up. You have these, you know, you have the people who are already done and finished with the the, the Lucari reputation. It's cool that they're giving you the choice of fleet marks, like you do with the crystalline entity. But at the same time, these cues are wholly needed for the Draenor colony. Uh, it would be prudent to have an incentive to play the content to help the colony level up by, I don't know, increasing the marks to all available marks at the time? Or at least to right now all of the the available marks? I mean, you can keep, like, your little PvP marks over in the PvP section. That's fine, but, like, giving everybody access to... Because this is supposed to be a quote-unquote alliance thing. Stuff like the Romulan marks and the Dyson marks and all of these other things that we've done as an alliance. You know, it would kind of make sense to do that with. Hmm, not sure. But yeah, adding extra marks in for people to get will attract more people to play. But as there'll be a lot of fleets... Sort of coming into the game, saying right, new contents. They'll be pushing their members to help, um, sort of get these missions going. Um, now, of course, one of the things that have been added with this new um, fleet holding is basically a little, what would they call it now, um, coffer. So that way, if all the projects have been filled and you want to donate um, some of your provisions you can actually put your provisions into this coffer. Now, there was a bug when it was launched that basically meant you weren't getting credited for everything that you actually put in. It said in the patch notes that it was a visual bug only. Yeah, so it looks like you weren't getting it, but you were. Um, Now, I think that's now been fixed, if I recall correctly. But I think this is a good addition because, yeah, one of the problems with fleets is that if you're not on at exactly the right time or you're a fleet lead that slots it in where sometimes people were just slotting it in and then, like, the fleet leads were taking all the provisions and filling them all out where they'd got plenty of, say, let's say, for example, fleet marks. They did all that before anybody else got into the game. So now you can still add these provisions and you can get credit for it. And then 
the next lot of stuff to get slotted will automatically get stuff taken from there. I think that's a pretty nice basically, idea. Basically, it's a way to bank uh, provisions and stuff so that nobody feels like they're missing out on supplying their their fleet and physically missing out on supplying their fleet because all of the projects are slotted and counting down. Yeah, and it would be nice if once we've ironed out, got all the bugs and that ironed out from the system, if there are any more, that it would be nice to them to go back and to do that for other missions and other um, fleet holdings as well. But the chances of that, I think, are pretty slim. But I think it'd be nice if they did actually do that. Okay, I just put another link into the, the Twitch chat and, to, and in our, our TeamSpeak chat. There's a much better picture of the TNG transporter background. The green things. That's what I've been talking about. When you first beam in on this new thing, that's what you see. That's the green I was going. <gasps> yeah, I hadn't noticed it. How can you not notice it? It is so stark against every other color. <laughs> it, it stands out so much. It's like walking into Janeway's captain room and going, holy crap, what, what is with all the green? Like, honestly, remember, remember doing that mission with the Tuvok? Remember? You walk into the, into the, the captain's room of the USS Voyager help Tuvok with his mind-meldy thing, and everything is green. The desk has green stuff on it. The, the, the floor has green stuff on it. The chair has the same colored green stuff on it. At least environmentally friendly. <laughs> they have a triple-A certified platinum rating. No, um, so, yeah, that's the fleet holding. As I said, the coffers, I think, is a... A nice addition to the game. Um, they've got a colony fleet holding invasion scenario. Now this is the ground queue, which is for up to 20 fleet members. Um, I haven't played this one yet. Um, when I was in game, I'd queued for it and I was getting no pickups. So, um, so yeah, hopefully I'll be able to give that a try sometime this week. Um, then we'd got the Drenar Beach Assault. Or is that the ground one? Uh, that seems no, like the ground one. No, that is the ground one. Yeah, sorry, the invasion scenario is the one we'd already talked about. So, invasion yeah. scenario is in space, isn't it? Yeah. So, getting all confused. <laughs> so, yeah, the fleet holding is the one that I said that I'd already played. Then you've got the Drenar Beach Assault, um, which is a 10-player cooperative. And that's the one that I haven't played. So um, I'm not sure what that one is like just yet. Then you've got the Draenor Gauntlet. That's a new five-player cross-faction queue. So basically a joint Kantari lakari colony is under attack. Enemy moves in. And you've got to help stop any orbital defences um, from being destroyed and get them complete. Um, I had a quick play of that one on normal. Um, that was another fun mission. Um, the Zenkethi Red Alert is another new addition. We sort of briefly mentioned that earlier. So basically it's a team of five. Same that, like we've had before. And this that one's for um, 50 to 60 level characters. Um, the Denor 
um, Gauntlet, that's for level 60 players. The Beach Assault, that's for level 50 plus. Um, so, yeah, in a nutshell, that is Season 14. Um, there have been several updates, as I mentioned, but a lot of those are just resolving issues since the update went live. This um, is the third time they've tried to patch Jordy in Beyond the Nexus so that he regenerates health and shields. Let's hope it <laughs> sticks this time, damn it. Um, as usual, when it comes to new fleet holdings, you get projects to make them look nicer. Um, project one is called Planters, so that gives you lots of greenery all around the colony that you can show. Um, the Phoenix Prize Pack has returned. Um, that's only going to be there now for uh, the next couple of days, so hope you manage to actually get that. That's been around for a week when it finishes. I need um, to log in and see if I sold any dilithium with that. Yeah! Uh, Thank uh, you for I, reminding me! I did go and use all my dilithium up to get huge amounts of that. So I've got loads more upgrade tokens, because I find that's the Phoenix pack is great for getting those upgrades. They're very, very useful. So I tend we, to we had we had one notable thing happen before the season launch in patch notes. Gone. So uh if you've been doing the Ferengi Admiralty the past couple of days and you've thought, hmm, this seems a bit weird, uh you're not wrong. The the gold press latinum payout of the Ferengi Admiralty has been reduced by 80%. has been replaced with an EC uh, equivalent of equal compensation, or so the patch notes said. Which is good, because it was giving out a ridiculous amount of gold press latinum, which there's nothing still in the gold press latinum store to really spend it on. And the fact that... The only way that was of any use was if that the accolade for gaining gold press latinum wasn't just for um, Dabo. If that, if what you gained in that reputation, um, that actually counted, then it would have been at least somewhat useful to keep going. But unfortunately, not. But yeah, energy credits is are a lot more useful to people. So the fact that they've reduced DPL and they've increased energy credits, I think is a good move. Yeah, definitely. You get more use out of it, don't you? Exactly. Okay. Well, as I said, we've sort of, because we have been off the air, a lot of this stuff has been out there for quite a while now. So we've just sort of very, well, especially for us, we've very quickly gone through it all. <laughs> I'm actually quite surprised. We've only spent an hour and a half on it. I know. <laughs> yeah, that's quite a short time for us. Uh, okay, well, let's head over to the next segment and let's see what's been going on in Star Trek Timelines. Does no one here understand your incredible good fortune? Star Trek Timelines. Did someone say gay? You seem to find this all very amusing. I will never not find that bumper amusing. I know, it, it always makes me smile. 
Okay. It's, so, it's one of the very few times that I know of that you 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 hear you hear all this talk about behind the scenes where everybody's telling the people on the Star Trek show to go stick to the script. Just stick to the script. You have you have John Delancey playing Q and all of a sudden he reads the script and he goes, Oh please and just improvs what Q should be doing because it works so much better. <laughs> okay, so Star Trek Discovery has arrived with Star Trek Timelines. So we've now got the Discovery ship that has appeared in there. We've also had a five-star character of Tekuvma. That's appeared. Uh, uh, we've only seen the Discovery ship itself in the trailer that was made available. At this point, the only ship we have access to is the Shinzo. Yeah, um, Discovery is coming. I'm not sure when or if it's in there, but it only gets something dealt out at some point, or I'm not sure how that's going to work. But Discovery has come to the game i meant as in characters right definitely, definitely so we haven't yet seen the ship we've had the shinzao that's been talked about and a lot of the missions are talking about the shinzao but i just meant as the tv program discoveries come to the game the, yeah the the first pretty much the first and only person we have from the, the actual ship discovery is in the event right now uh, uh, first officer Saru. Yeah, there's two versions of him. There's a green quality. Um, is it Lieutenant Commander? Lieutenant Lieutenant Saru. Lieutenant, thank you. Um, and then there is first officer Saru. He's a purple quality. And then you've got the legendary um gold quality, which is Takuvma. So and of course you have um. Captain Giorgio in desert garb. Yeah, um, I don't think I've got her. She's also a legendary um, character. I know she's one of the rewards for the current event, which will be going on until Tuesday 10th, which is Streak of Stardust. Of course, Streak of Stardust is one of four events this month. Yes, this is supposed to be a mega event. Yep. Um, so it's all Star Trek Discovery based. So we then have First Impressions, Orion Belt, and then Logical Reaction, which will be the upcoming events after that. So um, so yeah, I'm sure we'll get a chance to get more of these characters. So far, I've only got one of Takuvma. I've actually maxed out, I think, um, I've even got um, First Officer Saru as either three or four stars now. I think I've actually got him fully fused with that. I'll actually go and check in-game. I've got my two-star Lieutenant Saru um, fully fused as well. Have you? How far have you got with the event? Have you been able to get many of the Sarus? Or have you got um, Takuvma? I haven't claimed anything yet. I think uh -huh. the only... I think the only crew I have right now is Lieutenant Saru. I'll double check, but yeah. Um, geez, you don't play timelines, do you? Um, I do and I don't. I kind of dab into it, but 
one of the things that I did like, one of the things that I like, sorry, get me words out, was that um, they added them in the game so quickly to capitalise on the discovery populism, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. Well, as a licensee, they knew this was coming, so of course these things have been planned around the release. Of course, yeah, of course. So, um, so it wasn't to me that surprising to seeing these things being added, especially this fits timelines pretty well, unlike with Star Trek Online fitting that in would have been difficult because although they knew um, the series was out and everything else due to just the way that TV works, it's very hard for them to do their gaming ones. Whereas of course with timelines, most of it is just artwork and storyline. So if they know they've got ships and characters and they've got an overall sort of scenario and plot that they're working to for within their universe all they needed to do was to put in placeholders for the ships and for the crew um so they could they there's a lot it's a lot easier for timelines to have worked with getting discovery out than it would have been for um something for star trek online so um, of course because star trek online would say hey can't have these old ships in our new game Except all of these old ships, like the Shinzo, look like shit from Star Trek Time uh, Online. No, it's more to do with the timeline of the game. Yes, we do go back and things like that. Oh no, I wholly understand. Oh, I get it, I get it. Yeah, I'm just saying, the Shinzo looks a lot like the Polaris class. (laughs) So, um... Yeah, I can see what you mean with the whole uh, placing them and things like that. I just thought it was... I mean, I saw the adverts and stuff, uh, the Discovery stuff on timelines, and I just thought it was really good how they got it out so quickly. But obviously, compared to you guys, you probably expected it. But, yeah, it's good to have them in-game. It's, of course, good for CBS because it sort of gets more people sort of seeing Discovery out there or something else that ties in to the actual storyline, although loosely, because, of course, they're being pulled into what is technically our universe as the player, as the captain of our own ship. So, um, so yeah, um, yeah, I'm just having a look for Saru and my crew now. I've only got the Lieutenant Saru as a one star. Okay. Yeah, I've got... Both First Officer Saru and Lieutenant Commander Saru um, fully fused. Um, I've got First Officer Saru as level 40 and I've got Lieutenant Commander Saru as level 30 currently. And yeah, then I've got um, Kuvma, so he's currently level 40 as well, but um, yeah, he's only the one star at the moment. I'm trying to think how I got him. I'm sure he was one of the rewards that um, you can get for the event. Yeah, on the solo threshold, um, once you get to 22,500, that's when you get him. But that's the only chance that I can see that you actually get to claim him. Um, So, but you should have actually had one of the first officer 
the ruse because that purple quality um, character was actually available as a community reward. No, no, no. It's all there. I haven't claimed anything from the event yet. Anything. Ah, right. I get you. Yeah, I'm going to wait till the event is over before I claim all the stuff. That's what I usually do anyway. Okay. Well, it seems a bit strange because part of the rewards are characters that will actually help you in the event because you actually get bonuses for Janeway and Saru and you do actually get a purple quality Captain Janeway and a purple quality Saru in the community rewards. I'm sorry. I don't need help with this event with your squadron level almost 100 Janeway. I, <laughs> I literally opened up the crafting event and Janeway is always at the top of this list. Your spider queen arachnia Janeway is always at the top of this list. I just slaughter and it's instantly complete, instantly done. Now, it has been weird that I've been getting all the way up to like 40... 45, almost 50% uh, in the chance rate for the little the little very rare token thing to drop that you do for it's collect so many of those and here's a big huge boost of of, of other event uh, currency stuff. But other than that, I've been fine. I've had no need to do any of that whatsoever because it's just Click on the icon, slot Janeway. Click on the icon, slot Janeway. It's strange that you're actually seeing Janeway because this part of the event, crew sharing is not supposed to be working. So if you're still seeing Janeway, there's obviously a bug. <laughs> hmm. Because only the first part um, of this, when you do the shuttles, is when you're supposed to have the crew sharing. So if you're still seeing Janeway, then yeah, that's great because yeah, you've got um, sort of Arachnia, um, sort of Janeway. Who? Wait, wait. See, now you've got me questioning things. I need to go and look. <laughs> but yeah, Arachnia Janeway is a three out of five star, one hundred level <laughs> character. <laughs> okay. Okay. Wait. Back up. It's not your Janeway. It's my level 20 Arachnia Janeway. Ah, I was going to so, say. So even even amongst all the crew that I have who, ha are, who are over her completely in level and experience and stuff equipped to her, she is still at the top of the list for everything. <laughs> How many Janeways do you actually have? I only have the one Arachnia Janeway. So you don't and have any other Janeway? She, no, and she's one star. Because there are multiple Janeways in there, because, yeah, there's I've got Arachnia Janeway, Captain I Janeway, then you've got Rifle Janeway, Catherine Janeway, and Forshit Janeway. I've tossed a couple of these Janeways. I've had to <laughs> toss a couple of these Janeways, because we keep getting the rare stuff from the events. But, uh, but yeah, if you actually had the Saru's and you were able to get them to a higher level... Or if you've got multiple them, depending on how far you've got, they might have actually been above her because you get a bonus on Saru's as well. Like the, yeah, one, I, the one time I don't see Janeway is when it wants me to do like an engineering thing. And at that point, Torres is at the top of the list. <laughs> but no, I did think it was strange when you said that my Arachnia 
was at the top of the list. I'm thinking. <laughs> well, because I because huh? I normally well it normally is when there's crew sharing. Your, <laughs> yeah. Your, your chainway is always there at the top of the list. <laughs> or if it's not Janeway, it's um oh, I forgot if it, his name now. Um, begins with uh, K. Um, Kota. He's he's my only. Um, legendary character that I've actually got immortalized. But uh, yeah, I'm saving up all my honor to level up Arachnia. Nice. So, got it to, I've got three out of five stars for her so far. So, um, yeah, just need another two. Unfortunately, that's a hundred thousand honor to get those last two filled up. <laughs> Fortunately, one of the things that have, of course, been added to Star Trek timelines is, of course, the new facility of um, the Voyages that we have actually discussed um, on the show before. Now, you do tend to get... um, I usually find between sort of 30 or 60 in sort of a couple of... By doing like two dilemmas, then you're starting to get low. So I can usually get sort of 30 to 60 out of that. And I can often do one or two of these voyages each day, um, which helps. And of course, if you do all of your um, daily missions as well, you get another hundred. So um, I'm slowly getting up all the honor. So I've got just over 34,000 again. Um, after I got the last um, boost to actually get Kortar up to um, immortalized status because um, he only had one more to go. But yeah, all these little additions. Um, I like the fact that with voyages, you need to keep checking back to make sure you haven't gone too far. I do wish the notifications would come out a little bit sooner because basically it says, ah, you're running out of... Uh, um, chroniton, no, not chronotons. Uh, it's warp, Antimatter. isn't it? Antimatter, thank you. Um, you go in and you're already done for. And I'm just thinking, yeah, why can't you have actually sent me that notification 10 minutes ago? <laughs> but, uh, but no, I found you end up getting quite a few sort of gray, blue, or green quality characters. Um, which, of course, you discharge them and you get anywhere between 25 and 100 honor for each of them according to their level. So, um, so yeah, I think that's helped get... Well, or will be helping get me up to the 50,000 a lot sooner than it took me to do it the first time. I'm so glad we have Warp 1. It makes the, the crafting thing so much easier to do. Also... It's helped me tremendously to make the little things to slot into the crew. That's always been my bottleneck with this game. Do a a crafting event. Okay, cool. I'm picking up all this other crafting stuff to shove into making stuff for the crew. Nice! But, uh, yeah, I suppose as I've unlocked Warp 10, I sometimes take for granted how much easier it is to use Warp because I've just used it for so long. But, what I have done is because of the use of chronotons, when it comes to the crafting event, I've stopped using warp 10 and I do just use the warp one. Cause it's just like, yeah, I may not need to do all 10 for this one. 
And I also save any kits that I get, so I get the 25% discount on the um, the Crontons that get used as well. I tend to save them for these events um, to help with that, so that way the Chronotons last longer. Uh, Sounds good. So, um, so yeah, that's um, what we've got so far for Star Trek timelines. I haven't seen at the moment that they've released anything yet for the um, the next event. I was hoping that they would have. So um, one thing that um, they have done over at Disruptor Beams is they've actually launched a they've redone their form forms their forums. So um, it's more in line with the Disruptor Beam um, branding. Um, so it's an awful lot brighter. So um, yeah, if you head over to forum.disruptorbeam.com and then, yeah, it's just under there. So, um, so yeah, I I think it's a little bit clearer. Um, although, personally, I do prefer the darker themes, but that's just a personal preference that. But what I'll do is I will stick in the link um, into the show notes. But as I said, it's just forum.disruptorbeam.com or there's a link on their site. Yeah, I'll have to go and check that out. Okay. Well, I think it's time we head over to the main viewer. Main viewer. Computed and recorded, dear. We have now had three episodes of Star Trek Discovery that have been released and in America um, this evening. Um, so we're recording and broadcasting on Sunday, the what we the eighth. So yep, the eighth. For you guys in America and in Canada, you'll be receiving episode four. And then for the rest of us on Netflix, we will have it tomorrow morning at 8am UK time, that is. And that will be the 9th. So, so far, what have you guys thought of Star Trek Discovery? It's different, that's for sure. It is. It's a different way of filming it. It's a different way to have all the... Just the storyline, the way it unravels, it's one big story. Um, as I've said before, if you equate it to a book, usually you'd have one book is each episode in previous incarnations of Star Trek. But this time, it's literally each episode is a chapter in a book. And a book is a series. That's a good analogy. And it means that they can go into a lot more depth into the characters... Now, of course, it's also been very different in the fact that we've basically had two pilots. The first pilot included a different ship, a different captain, and was the setup for sort of everything else that's going on. And then in episode three, we had the second pilot, which was actually where we see the USS Discovery, um, the new Captain Lorca. And it... Sets out a basic outline, gives us a lot of mystery, and unlike with previous episodes where literally at the end of the episode things are all wrapped up, 
for the most part, we we don't have that this time. Now, I know in Star Trek Enterprise and especially with Deep Space Nine, we did have some arcs that went across multiple episodes, but not in the same way that they've got it happening in Discovery. Well, That's... yeah, I, I, it's it, it seems a lot like it's going to be the long form storytelling, like what you saw from the the Zindi arc. And I know a lot of people loathe the Zindi arc, but I didn't think it was that bad. I liked it. I think that's some of the better um, parts of Enterprise, personally. On on the other side, I, I can't help but look at the Discovery itself. The guy who's sitting in the captain's chair after seeing like the third, you know, episode and stuff. I can't. I can't help look at the Discovery. The crew that are on the Discovery that don't quite feel like crew because they look like a military occupation force on a ship. The guy sitting behind the captain's chair. All the crazy science experiments seem to be going on. And my head goes, is this Brian? Because all of these, these, all of these introductory episodes are written by Brian Fuller. So my mind is going, is this Brian Fuller trying to make a prime universe version of in the darkness because that's what it looks like to me i would disagree um but as i said we've got a lot of mystery um things like section 31 mirror universe have all been thrown about it's it's definitely going to be interesting to see which way they do actually go um it's definitely at the higher level of the pg rating um as we saw in episode three, um, I think it's the first time in Trek that we've really seen sort of blood, um, sort of more on the sort of gory side. Um, sort of saying, my wife, she doesn't tend to like sort of anything with blood and guts and things like that. For me, it's still, eh. But for her, she's like, mm. but, uh, but no, I've enjoyed what I've seen so far. Definitely got me talking with a lot of friends about lots of different ways that the story can go and sort of different theories about how they all connect. So it, it's been fun. Sort of, it's definitely a different time that we live in. We haven't really had, though the internet was about a lot um, back when Enterprise was still on, it, not in the same way that we have it now. Um, there was social media, but again, you didn't really get as much out there as you see in TV these days. So it, whereas before you saw an episode, you'd often talk to people if you caught up with them at the pub or all sorts of things like that. Um, so yeah, it's it's just been so much fun because. It's like you meet up with friends. It's one of the things I like about podcasting. You talk about things, you sort of, everybody looks at things differently and sort of makes different connections and just so enjoyable. And to be able to do that for Star Trek on the small screen, because when we've only had it in the last 12 years for the big screen, storytelling they can get out during that time is just so limited. Whereas, especially with what they're doing with Discovery, is they can go into so much more depth and so far I think it's working. And yes, I know Brian Fuller 
or they changed some of the directions he was going to go in and he wrote these stories. But given the writers that they've got behind this, such as Kirsten Beyer, who, with the Voyager novels, she just takes such a small thread and literally has an entire novel about it. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see where all this goes. What about you guys? It will be... I'm actually... <laughs> I hate saying this, but I'm kind of actually looking forward to the episode is not written by Brian Fuller, if that makes any sense. It does. These episodes have me in a weird headspace about what this is supposed to mean to Trek, and you have people like Chris, Kirsten Beyer and uh, like every other writer, and they're like, please, please, for the love of God... Stay with it. Stay with it. It gets better. At least it's what that's what comes across when you have all of these people going. This is weird for Trek. Um, to me, it's never come across that they're trying to beg people to stick with it. Well, uh, I, I just oh well, you know that's another one of those things. Text does not translate intent all that well, does it? No, it doesn't. What about you, Geese? Yeah. Um. I don't know. <laughs> like you said, there's been a few rumours thrown about in terms of Section 31 and things like that. And <laughs> it almost makes me wonder whether it's a kind of Bond film in space. Um, but, yeah, it'd be interesting to see where it goes and what kind of storylines come out and what characters... Um, sort of come from it obviously we know from screenshots and that that the Klingons are involved but it's a different kind of Klingons you know it's not your traditional TNG style ones um, because of obviously the timeline and where it's set and you know things like that it's a more sort of prehistoric Klingon if you like with their traditions yeah, it's and a different like faction that's exactly. um, a more religious I would probably but it would probably be a more apt description. Exactly, and it makes me wonder as well, you know, whether they're going to introduce, you know, other other factions like Romulans, for instance, like an earlier version of them, or you know, or basically planets that are nearby, kind of thing. Because where it's set, they're still pretty much discovering places, aren't they? Places that advance down the line, like TNG and Voyager, that you know, a common practice now, you know. So it'd be it'd be interesting to see what they do with it, or whether they just go completely separate and kind of make up their own stuff, if you like. But in terms of all like the the writing aspects of it and things like that, I'm not really um, clued up with, you know, the writers and you know who writes what and things like that. But for me, for me, if it's a good episode, it's a good episode. It doesn't matter who writes it, kind of thing. I've uh, okay, so. I've heard a whole bunch of different people call the new warp drive all kinds of different things. What what have what have you been referring to it as midnight? Um I haven't referred to it as this, but I keep wanting to. As it's supposed to be um for warp is I just want to say swarp. Okay, that's pretty funny <laughs> and that's a new <laughs> But every time I've talked about it, I've never really got a chance to just fit that in. Um, just thinking that go. I say swarp and they're just going to go, Huh? What did you say? <laughs> I've been calling it F-warp. 
engage the F warp drive. F warp. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, yeah, F for fungal. <laughs> it's literally what it is. Wow. But I do like the fact that, unlike other things that we've seen, is people aren't at their best. I like the fact that people are a work in process. They don't have all the answers. Um, usually thing happens somebody knows absolutely what needs to be happening um how to fix it and it's then all done and everybody goes home all happy well I like it's not even that it's not even that normally nine times out of a ten it's a problem arises that seems impossible to deal with suddenly somebody has this crazy outlandish theory based on some other dude's theory from a bajillion years ago and says, hey, maybe we should try and implement that. They implement said thing because why the hell not? It's the only good thing available and lo and behold, it works. Everybody goes home. And that's what I like about this is Michael Burnham. And again, if you haven't seen it, spoilers, she knew what the Klingons were like. She's had experience with them she spoke to her adoptive father who he talked about how did you deal with the vol um how did the vulcans deal with the klingons and again hence the title of the um, episode vulcan hello is the first time round they met they the klingons destroyed the vulcan ship so from then on they knew that basically that's what the klingons do the only way that you get any respect from anyone like that is to fire first, which is what the Vulcans did. They came across Klingons, they fired first. And she knew what was going to happen, what they were doing. She was right. She went about it the wrong way by sort of assaulting her captain and um, actually, well, she mutinied. And, but we've seen before in Trek, they break the rules to do the right thing. We had that with Kirk um, we've had that with at one point or another every single one of the captains and this time I like the fact that we see the aftermath of those sorts of decisions it's not like ah this happens gets resolved and nine times out of ten you never hear anything about it ever again because it's it's like life of you decide to do something and thing is you could know someone for years but something happens and you are positive that this action needs to be taken even if it is against your friend's wishes for the most part a lot of people will do it especially if they think it's going to save lives why wouldn't they and even Lorca has actually said you did the right thing the fact that it was against regulations and you had to mutiny against your captain to do it. She was trying to save her friends. She was trying to save her ship. But at the end of the day, the Klingons were out there to start a war. So there was the only way that it may. There was a small possibility that the war wouldn't have happened was if Michael Burnham actually was able to follow through and do what she'd intended to. Because then everything he was saying about them always coming in peace and wanting to change them, well, 
his point was moot because if they got there and they just got fired upon it's just like yeah you're full of shit <laughs> we're going back yeah that's about right well see you can't necessarily say that either because it, it would it would have been a conversation of him telling them they always come in peace and come to talk and by the time they get there suddenly his ship's blown up well he's also now kind of become a martyr for the Klingon cause, too. Well, no. If they'd just fired straight away, they hadn't got the Klingons to meet up, then, then yeah, basically she, she said from the very beginning, why ha- haven't we fired? Darfi don't fi- doesn't fire first. But if they had, he wouldn't have set off the message to send out. It would have just been another Federation Klingon skirmish Nothing else would have been thought about it. But, I, mean, I can't. I I wholly can't say that I disagree. I just it's uh, having her act the way she did with specifically her background makes me go what? I can I can see how and why it happened. Sort of, although her mind has been conditioned to think logically, she is still a human. Part of the reason that she was put onto that ship with that captain was to make it that he became more human and he experienced a full range of emotions. So between the emotions she now feels after seven years of being with more humans rather than just being with the Vulcans, then yeah, with that, we know she struggles to keep her logic sort of firmly in place and her emotions it's one of the reasons why in episode three she was reciting um alice in wonderland it helped her focus so for someone who has this mixed sort of emotions mixed sort of thinking in that sort of way not to mention the warnings that she'd received regarding how to deal with the klingons and the fact that they basically they had attacked the Federation. They attacked one of the Federation's um, sort of sensor arrays or um, probes or whatever it was that was out there. I can't remember what it was now. Communication boys, wasn't it? So I think so. They had already attacked the Federation and they were lying there in hiding. They had already committed the first act against the Federation. Yeah, but was that to... Was that because the Federation put their sensory boy too close to their territory, if you like? No, no, no. They did actually say one of the reasons why they couldn't back down was because they were in Federation space. Is So whether or not it was close to the border or not, it was in the Federation space in how they acknowledged it. And one of the things, um, well, it was also mentioned in the GNT show earlier on today, that basically she was made to be the scapegoat. Thousands of people died. They want answers. They want reasons. They've got to tell people why, and she's basically been turned into a scapegoat for the entire thing. Basically, they blame her mutiny as the cause of the war in the first place, but that's not quite the case. Exactly. If you did actually have an actual invest see that and i i had to i had to agree with nick here that that whole that whole trial thing seemed 
very un-Starfleet and very out of place for Starfleet. Yeah, um, that was one of the main things that really niggled at me was that sort of the hearing. Um, it just didn't seem right. Hopefully they'll actually explain what that was all about at some point. And why everybody thinks she started the war by by her mutiny when the facts would quite literally bear out that her mutiny was what would have saved the Federation. But the thing is, according to all the records, they only have a record that she was saying fire, the target lock had been put onto the ship. Um, so yeah, according to any records that would have been about that event, it does look that she is the one to blame. Although anyone, because of course we know from the other perspective, we see from the Klingon side as well um, with uh, Discovery, we know what's actually happening. We, we've seen court-martials before in Starfleet. Now, granted, they've all happened after this particular court-martial. Generally, when these court-martials happen in Starfleet, there is the facts that are presented and then context to those facts in the form of asking what was going through your mind. Were you angry? Were you upset? Did you hate this person and want to get rid of them, Captain Kurt? As I said, the whole hearing thing... That was the thing that most seemed off to me when watching these episodes, uh, which makes me wonder why it happened, why such the dark lighting, why you couldn't see the panel. Um, can't remember if it was GNT or another podcast or my New Horizons podcast I mentioned it on, whether or not because of the mutiny, because again, with trees and a mutiny in a lot of countries here, even that don't have the death penalty, for those things, they do and can give the death penalty, whether or not that was the reason for sort of the lighting, um, whether or not it is part of a sort of you are the scapegoat. Um, I don't know. It, it will be interesting to see. It could have been that she'd actually blamed herself for it, so she'd already pleaded guilty, and it just went straight into sentencing, so there wasn't a trial. Um we don't know yet, and I'll be, and I hope that we do go back to that. From we know that her old captain, um, Captain Giorgio, um, will be reappearing in Discovery. So, um, from how it looks, is we will be seeing um, the Shinzel in flashbacks. So, because a year before, if you read um, Desperate Hours. That's when she actually gets promoted to first officer. And the previous six years, um, she's actually training and working herself through the ranks on the ship. So it will be interesting to see how they explain what we've seen so far and stitch the storyline together. It's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, at this point, I'm looking more forward to Kristen Beyer fixing all of these holes than anything. I'm not sure if it it's truly fixing. I the way 
the whole thing was planned out was to have this storyline unravel over one or more series. It was never that they one of Brian Fuller's sort of one of his visions was that it was one big story. It was never supposed to be told in the way Star Trek had previously been told. So I don't think it's quite fixing. Um, one of the um, executive producers who was on the After Trek show um, last week actually said, everything you see on screen is there deliberately. So like if you the see- Tribble. Yep, like the Tribbles, like the Cardassian Vols, like the Gorn. So all this stuff they're showing is done deliberately and in a specific way. So, again, that's what excites me about the series, because it's just like, okay, so what is going to come next? And as I said, with friends and podcasts, I've we've gone through so many different ways, different threads can tie into different reasons and story plots and so many things and again it's just been a hell of a lot of fun because usually an episode of trek has finished you talk about the episode but they weren't always things that sort of tie in the closest we got was in deep space nine with the dominion war and in enterprise with um the war that we had there and again a lot of the time it was just very loosely tied together with this happens then that happens but the overall thing just stayed there whereas this time all the storylines seem to be sort of tightly woven together and they they kind of have to be tightly woven together because we're not talking about a series built around a ship and its crew it's built around a person on said ship and the people she engages with exactly and one of the things when people ask about the TV series and the films and say, right, what's your best ones? One of the ones that are always in the top rankings is Lower Decks. And the only other time we really saw that was in Voyager with the Good Shepherd. And it's good. sort of with Voyager, you'd got that bloke who just wants to do his equations he's not interested in being on the ship he never wanted to be there he was just there because that was part of his starfleet training that actually got him to where he wanted to be which me that character we even see in discovery with paul stance um it's good that we've got these different types of characters rather than just starfleet officers that all have full training uh, can always deal with anything sort of under pressure and with very little sort of to and fro to do with problems and as I said I, I just find it all very interesting and looking forward to where they take it next well uh, I will leave us all on a last note for that tardigrade <laughs> for those of yeah. you who don't know tardigrade also known as the Space Bear. Uh, yeah, this thing shows up in Episode 3 as a not-microscopic creature. Mm. And it shows up in Episode 4. So it'll be interesting to see where they go with that, and we will, I'm sure, talk and about it next week. releasing spoilers for Episode 5! I haven't seen those. Somebody said Lorca gets arrested in Episode 5. 
Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but if that's like, holy shit, where, 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 that would be interesting. Definitely. And given what we've seen, I wouldn't put it out of the realms of possibility. But given how tight lipped the production has been regarding the storylines, literally, we've only started getting things for the next week's show um, when it's just a week away. So I'm not too sure whether or not we would have heard spoilers for two weeks away, given, as I said, how tight-lipped they've been. Uh, yeah, time will tell. Okay, well, that's a sort of general roundup. There were some spoilers in there. And, of course, we will talk about episode four next week in episode 271. So let's find out what the community has been saying to us in our feedback. Oh god, no. Community feedback. Join with us. Share your thoughts. Resistance is futile. We sent out a couple of community questions two weeks ago because, you know, us missing weeks. I mean, it's, it's almost like we're on some kind of temporal kick, isn't it, Midnight? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so our first community question was, what do you think of the features announced in Star Trek Online Season 14? Emergence! As dutiful as ever, Mr. Alex Wonger from the Star Trek Online forum says, New Fleet Holding. Fine. Whatever. New Fleet Holding cues. Fine. Whatever. Send Kathy Red Alert. Fine, whatever. New primary specialization miracle worker. Okay, I'm not entirely on board with the name, but let's see what it do. New featured episode with Lee Brown and LeVar Burton. Okay, let's see what's gonna irk me about, uh, what's gonna irk me this time around. Chozo Elder Second also responded on the Star Trek online forums and said, I'm not looking forward to another massive... Uh, five massive holdings to grind out. Or, well, well, it's a five-part massive holding, fleet holding. As always, I'll definitely help my fleet here and there when I can, but it's kind of, uh... But this kind of content isn't just fun to... It just isn't fun to me anymore. I honestly wish the dev time was spent on something else. I can't say that I'm excited about the Miracle Worker specialization, but cheers to those who have been wanting something for heals. Red Alert is just there, I guess. It doesn't sound particularly exciting, to be honest. I greet the next uh, featured episode with open arms, since they're my favorite part of this game. Eh, next to the ships. So, next question was, uh, what are your thoughts on the current Stowe featured episode, Beyond the Nexus? Alex Wonger responded and said, uh, I'll do that at the end of my feedback, as usual. Uh, uh, Chozo Elder Second responded and said, I have a stupid smile on my face the whole time I played it. Can't help it. It just happens when I hear Trek actors voicing their old roles again. Even more so when it's TNG actors. And the episode itself? How could I not love it? I couldn't stop gushing over the interior. The mission could have been about fixing some plumbing or whatever, and I still would have loved it. Okay, not really. <laughs> I'm just glad I finally have my TNG interior. 
I'm biased and I don't care. I'm genuinely curious about Admiral Finn's comment on the alien being imprisoned in the Nexus when it's considered to be paradise. I hope that isn't brushed off casually. Also, we have the Type 3 TNG phaser rifle! Yay! I'm really hoping we get the TNG hand phaser at some point, and one that doesn't have those annoying glowy holographic bits attached to it. Also hope it, uh, hoping for the first contact rifle. That it, uh, Hoping that we get the first contact rifle at some point, too. And he posted a picture of the first contact rifle, which... Interestingly enough, there is a mock-up of a rifle like that in one of the armory sections on ESD, if I'm not mistaken. I hadn't seen that. But yeah, we have the Type 3. We have the Type 3 phaser rifle. You know, the one with the little diamond thing at the end and the little green pop-up holographic sight. <laughs> well, it's not even a holographic sight. It's just called a... I mean, it's called a holographic sight, but it's just little a little green sight. You can see through, like, glass, but it's plastic. And when, when, when everybody says the TNG phasers... I really hope they mean the the Dirt Devil, like, Season 1 Dust Buster phasers. Like, they, they look like miniature little little vacuum cleaner, like the little handheld vacuum cleaners. <laughs> they just have that big, huge, wide thing on the end, and then they've got the handle. Yeah, those things. Uh, so, community question three was, do you think that the Alliance... Uh, Allied Flight Deck Cruiser Bundle is Enterprise bait? Alex Wunger responded and said, Not really. I mean, was the Dakir Enterprise bait? Or the Tavaro Enterprise bait? Was the Annex Class 1 or Tier uh, tier 1 or Tier 6 Enterprise bait? Yes, very much so. It was Enterprise bait. The whole, the whole point of the Annex Class is that it's Enterprise from Enterprise. It was Enterprise bait. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do that. <laughs> I could go and do my whole these ships are century old, just let them die in peace for crying out loud rant again, but Cryptic is clearly not interested in consistency, so why bother? What I will bring up is, A, on the Klingon side, the Lethians still don't have a ship, while the Romulans get this allied species Sulaban ship, even though there are no playable Sulaban anywhere to be seen. B. Why exactly does a Tellarite flight deck cruiser have a 5-3 weapon arrangement? I think these ships should have been really tanky 4-4 flight deck cruisers, and the 5-3 weapon arrangement should have been exclusive to an Andorian battlecruiser on the Fed side. But I guess that would have made too much sense or something. Disclaimer, I am well aware that there are no Andorian battlecruisers. That's part of my point. Chozo Elder Second responded and said, All three ships were in the show, so it's appropriate calling it Enterprise Bait. I was surprised to see the these released before a Tier 6 Dakir, to be frank. I still want a, a Tier 6 Kumari, though, and I won't mind if there's only one variant for it. The The Kumari is the, the Andorian ships, right? Uh, I think so. I can't remember. I can visually see it in my head, but I can't remember what it's called. We'll skip question four, because nobody answered it. Question five was, what do you think of the Star Trek... Dis what? Oh, whoa, whoa. I don't think that the should be in this question. What do you think of Star Trek Discovery, once you've seen it? 
Alex Wunger responded and said, like I mentioned before, when, if I watch it, it'll be when the whole season is out. I'm not interested in subscribing and staying subscribed for that long without knowing if I'll even like it. I'm doing the same thing with Star Wars The Old Republic and their story packs, which reminds me that I have not subbed in quite a while. And yes, I'm in Europe. I only have to subscribe to Netflix, which seems to be a far better deal than what the U.S. and Canadian citizens get. You have no idea. Well, that's only for someone who doesn't have a Netflix subscription. Because then they have to take out another one. If they have no subscription at all, then it's just the same as taking out a Netflix subscription. And CBS All Access has an awful lot of stuff on there. It isn't just Star Trek Discovery. Yes, but see, they don't advertise the rest of their stuff on there. What they've been advertising is Star Trek Discovery. Well, that's all you've been looking for. And it's one of the... Honestly, I haven't been looking for anything. I've just had Discovery flashed in my face with CBS All Access again and again and again. It would make sense to any person that that's probably the only thing that they have on there, which may not be the case, but considering it's the one thing that is constantly flashed in their face about All Access, they would go, oh, okay, so it's just... It's just Discovery. What's the point in paying the money for it? Where are you seeing this flashed in front of your face? What sort of marketing is it that you're seeing? Uh, The premiere episode for Discovery. Okay, well... As is the premiere. In no other instance in watching CBS in the past two weeks have I seen any, any sort of advertisement for CBS All Access other than in regards to Star Trek Discovery. Okay, well that might be the cable branch not wanting to get more people over to the internet-based stuff because that's what's going to get people out of work when eventually it all does move over. Maybe. Maybe. But, that's this, it. but the the networks themselves would have... And a vested interest, that's the word I'm looking for, vested interest in making sure that they said, hey, this exists, and it's more than just one program. Yeah. Well, if they're not advertising all the other stuff they've got on there as well, that seems to be a bit silly. Because they should be. Yeah. But whether or not some of this marketing is targeted... I suppose if it's seeing it on CBS, it's not to do with anything to do with cookies and what you've been viewing, because, of course, you would have expected right. to at least have seen something else. Um, but I suppose uh, even if they have it on their own cable network, there's still technically a cost to the all-access branch for using up that time. Yeah. Now, Discovery, unlike lots of other programmes have had the budget to actually do that promotion. So I could probably see in some respects why only that one may have been seen. But yeah, you would think you want to get people to subscribe. You want to tell them you're not just subscribing to this show. You're subscribing to everything else they do because um, you've got all of the NCISs. It's kind of like, 
it's kind of like watching what little little advertisement was for the whatever the hell it is that they're doing with the Stargate um, broadcasting service thing. And it's like, it's just Stargate. It's nothing but Stargate. Okay, I'm pretty sure there's like a whole bunch of content there. But it's just Stargate. Yeah, I haven't been in the UK. I haven't seen any of that. I've only heard about it online. I mean, and I've only seen it online. And I'm like, it's just Stargate. Okay, you've got interviews with the crew and the cast and and the writers and stuff. Fine. You've got the movies. You've got the TV shows. That's great. It's just... Stargate! Should I create an entire streaming service dedicated solely to Babylon 5? I'd probably get a few hundred people to actually subscribe because they'd be interested, but I wouldn't get much else because it's just Babylon 5! Once you go through the content, it's a little... It's a little difficult to keep going back through it and to make an argument for keeping... to, to keep paying the price for something that is the same content over and over and over and over again. Yeah, I can't understand people who watch the same thing repeatedly. <laughs> I mean, I, you but know... Says the person who's watched so far every episode of Discovery at least five or six times. <laughs> well, I know you're making quips and over, you know, over there, but I mean, it's true in my case. I cannot... I cannot for I will physically make myself sick if I try to sit and binge watch something. And I actually did that trying to get through Red Dwarf before it net left Netflix. I loved the hell out of Red Dwarf, but I made myself sick trying to finish what was available on Netflix cuz I wanted to get through it so that I wouldn't say that oh, I never got to finish it cuz I can't sit and watch back to back and back and and binge watch like everybody else seems to do it's not for everyone for me i'm fine doing it so i've gone through a whole season of like 24 within a single day um so it's not a problem for me just to sit down and binge i've been going through grim recently um yeah just especially as i'm already up just have it keep going and, you know, I completely understand that. I mean, I just, I keep looking at all these psychology reports that go, you know, people who binge watch are probably more likely to be depressed because they're, you know, well, and I'm like, oh, God, what, what science, what junk science even is this study? <laughs> like, I, I'm sorry, some of the most perky people that I know of will sit there and watch stuff for hours on hours and hours on end and I'm like, aren't you like sick? Aren't you physically ill watching that? No, I'm just fine. And I'm like, if I watch more than three episodes in a day, I will have to take 24 hours to recover from that because my mind will literally not be able to compensate for what just happened. (laughs) But anyway, yeah, the the current state of CBS All Access's advertising is weird. But yeah, in that case, they should be doing more to advertise other content that they have. Because, yeah, if people think that's all I've got, 
then yeah, why would they want to? And especially as they are, in some a lot of cases, actually already subscribed. Oh, bye, geese. Take care, geese. Geese has work in the morning. Jews are must, eh? So, um, but yeah, especially as a lot of people will be already subscribed to Netflix. And I think that's what, in America, people are annoyed with. They're, it's already on one, they're connected to one streaming service. Why can't I just have that? But then a lot of people already get that, oh, I really want to watch that program, but that's on Amazon Prime um, or um, that's on Hulu. That's It's already out there. People have been dealing that with that sort of thing for years now. Oh, I wish I could watch that, but I can't because I'm already paying for Netflix. I wish it was on that. It's exactly the same thing, and it's just going to happen with more and more places um, going forward. And this is, this and, is what I talk about. You know, uh, Terry made this argument, like, a long time ago of, look, it's cheaper than having, uh, like, a huge cable package to pay for by having all these little services. And I'm just like, sorry, at... Seven ninety nine, nine ninety nine, whatever their whatever their price is for for their service. There are over fifteen of them at this point. That's quite a bit of cash, and it's a lot more than like the eighty bucks for a cable subscription that I have. But given how much TV you can watch in one go, one subscription for the things that you want to watch for that period could easily last you that you sign up to one watch the things that you want and then the next month you sign up to something different true but at this point i've been more interested in the orville than anything on a streaming service honestly well, as you know so far, i i've not been though visually i've been impressed and i think the morals of story for orville have been extremely good just i just you're find the humor a, way a, too you're fast not a, you're not a fan of seth mcfarlane's humor and that's okay that's that's totally okay the, the it's it's an americanized version of red dwarf's humor well even these days with red dwarf i'm just like not finding it funny anymore that's that, that's you know that's that's my point <laughs> yeah but there was a time when I was younger that I used to find that sort of thing funny, but that was... You're an adult now. You have responsibilities and children <laughs> and you just don't find that stuff funny anymore. I don't think it's got anything to do with that. I just... I like more subtle humour um, where it, like a lot of the stuff that you get in Big Bang, um, it's just little jokes on sort of what's been going on. <laughs> we do here in the show is a lot of subtle humor and not so subtle subtle humor yeah and even that is subjective so there's a lot of stuff that i say people just don't get of course with sort of a wide variety of people listening from over europe and america it a lot of stuff that i will say will completely go over people's heads because it won't mean a damn thing and a lot of the stuff that you guys talk about regards to american tvs adverts sports i'm just going Yep, that makes no sense to me at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, 
when it comes to humor it is very subjective and yeah i like the more subtle stuff it used to be i used to watch things like frasier and all that sort of stuff and that in some ways that was the same sort of thing it was very forced humor setting up the punch line so it is just very obvious and that's how orville comes across it's just like yeah you can't miss this joke it's coming now and it's just like mm. but I don't yeah know. that leg thing i didn't see coming i haven't seen uh, the most recent episode yet so i'll find out when i watch it okay so like there's like a practical joke thing that goes on in the new episode it, it it's it, it's set up yes but the execution is a lot better than what I thought it was going to be. Hmm. So, yeah, I I look forward to seeing if that actually got a chuckle out of you or not when when we talk next week. Indeed. Um, but we've, like, squirreled away from the community question quite significantly. Well... The community questions will literally be almost the same as previously, so I'm just going to leave it to feedback to us what you think of everything we've discussed, whether it's timeline Star Trek Online or Star Trek Discovery. And so, please, for the love of God, if you know we're going to talk about spoilers, don't complain that we talked about spoilers because we've given you like umpteen different spoiler warnings. Warning. Okay. Warning. The following broadcast may not be suitable for all audiences. General and <laughs> listener discretion is advised. Um, did you read out all the feedback? I think we're still... I, I, we're still... We, we need to get to general feedback, mostly. Yeah. Because, I mean, the only other piece of feedback is Chozo Elders responded and said, I haven't exactly had time to properly watch Discovery yet. But I'm planning to eventually. Which is... The whole previous conversation is me suddenly going, Alex! Alex! Chozo! Please! We said spoilers! Don't get mad at us! <laughs> so, general feedback. Alex responded and said, Okay, first, it's good you're back. Are you back? Kinda missed you. Don't tell anyone. I might appear to be a human being. See, that's subtle humor. That I like. That's the sort of humor that I do. Very sort of sarcastic humor. Love it. Because Chozo gave you an update, I have not heard anything at all. I'm not sure if Kale is so overwhelmed or if I ended up in both of his spam filters. Maybe you'd like to get in touch with him in case my emails ended up as spam. Did we not get Alex's thing? Uh-oh. I will have a look. Okay. But I, I had added in all the emails that I had seen. But yeah, given how quickly the last show was put together, sorry if I missed it. We'll, uh, we'll definitely try getting it fixed, Alex. I'm sorry it's taken so long. You uh, you mentioned that Timberwolf made a video about some accidental leak on Tribble. When I heard you talk about this incident, I thought, yeah, they will not include that link, even though they just said they would. And lo and behold, no link. Then I went to Timber's YouTube channel, and as expected, I couldn't find the video. 
Because unlike other much bigger and much more successful, uh, if I might add, publishers, Perfect World doesn't seem to understand the value of this kind of community-driven marketing slash hype. I guess Perfect World issued... I, I don't know... Did Timber say that Perfect World had issued some uh, some sort of DMCA against his video, or did he just remove it? Uh, I think he said he was going to be uploading it, but I don't think at the time that I posted that I'd seen it in our chat, so I think that's why that one didn't get uploaded. I think he did post it later on, but it was part of another video, so the title of it may not have been obvious. Ah, okay. Well, we'll we'll talk to Timberwolf about that then and see which video it is. Because I remember him talking about it, like explicitly talking about it in the chat and saying he had made a video about it. But anyway, about the discovery aesthetics. Well, I guess we have to agree to disagree. I just wanted them to, I just wanted them to be more consistent. You can go full retro, or you can go total redesign, or you can try to find, or, or you can try to find some middle ground. New design that takes unmistakable cues from the old one, but the props look very retro. While, for example, the Klingons are oh, but the Klingons look. Or, no, I'm I'm tired. I'm tired, damn it, excuse me. <laughs> the props look very retro, for example. And the Klingons are vastly different, and I'm just unable to see the point they're trying to make. You know, I was actually pointed to something that was very important to note about these Klingons. Do you know what the problem that everybody's having with the current Klingons are? Take a wig from any wharf or after Klingon and put it on these Klingons, you will fix the problem you have with these Klingons. These Klingons are just bald. That's the only major huge difference here. Sure, they dress funny. Well, the crew of the Discovery kind of dresses funny. But the problem people have in the aesthetic of the Klingon is they lack the hair. They lack they they lack the head hair. Take any kind of wig for the Klingons and put it on these Klingons and they look like every other Klingon we've ever seen. Well, aside from the Toss era Klingons, because, you know, who wants to be called a racist for going back to, to blackface or brownface? That was really weird about Toss, though. Was it not like these... these brown-faced people with the stereotypically Asian-looking, like, facial hair. It was weird. Uh, continuing on. Uh, and when I talked about the outdated flip phone communicators, well, I didn't know flip phones were about to make a comeback. But to get back to my point, the communicators don't have a display. When's the last time you saw a non-smartphone when... Uh, and when's the last time you saw a non-smartphone without a display that allowed you to play Snake? I, uh, this is this is getting into the this is getting into the merging thing because uh, enterprise communicators were flip and didn't have a, uh, a display screen. Toss air communicators were gold and black 
and were flip and didn't have a display screen. I mean, did did the ones in did the ones in Discovery have a display? I'm confused. Do they? Because I don't remember seeing specifically a communicator. Midnight. Sorry, you hadn't pressed the button properly. Uh, um, okay. Thank God. I thought I was the only one here for a second. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the main images that we saw of the flip um, communicator was pre-release in some of the promo stuff that they did. There's a small display um, on there. When it came to the original TOS ones, they didn't have that sort of tech, so it was just some little knobs that they pretended to fiddle with for sorting out things on, like, frequency. Like the frequency, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, the only communicator we've seen thus far is is pre, pre-show pre promo stuff. Yeah, you do see it, but um, the communicator, especially in the first episode. Now, we'll probably see some more of it in the future episodes, but yeah, you don't tend to get a massive, detailed look on it. Right. Okay. Like, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, if Discovery wants to be cutting edge because retro doesn't sell, like Midnight Lights to claim, shouldn't the communicators double up as pads and possibly even tricorders? I'm just asking for a little consistency, like so many times before. Well, well uh, if they wanted to completely redo it, then they probably would have something that would be a communicator and tablet together, but they're trying to bring it into current TV standards while trying to at least keep some resemblance to what came before. And what came before was communication device, scanning device, writing device. Or does nobody remember the big gaudy looking things that Kirk wrote his captain's log on? Yeah. With an actual freaking pen. So, as I said, they are merging it. They're bringing things... To be more modern they're merging what people with especially we've had a lot of new people come into trek with the um kelvin timeline films so it's also merging sort of the look and aesthetics that you get with today's tv production and abilities into current trek so anyone who's coming with those films will still recognize what things are as well as people who were brought up on trek over sometime over the last 50 years, they will still see something they recognize as well. The thing is, is we look at it in one way, whereas somebody new to Star Trek, and of course, we've also got people who may not even seen the sort of prime timeline so far, and may have not even seen the Kelvin timeline stuff, and are completely new to it. But if they go to the newer movies or the old stuff, they will still recognize at least something. So the fact that they are merging these things, I think is good because it allows people to sort of keep up no matter which way they go. I mean, uh, I've, I've said this from the somewhere from, yeah, from, uh, let's just go with that from somewhere that the show was not sold to us specifically it was it was sold to the new generation of trek you know specifically like the 09s and stuff 
Yeah, that's what I said is... With the assumption that we were coming along for the ride because we were Trek fans anyway. Hence the nods we get all the time, like the Tribble or the Gorn thingy. But Exactly. But but still have this, hey, this is new and different, and this is still Star Trek, it's just a different one. Exactly. The thing is, it's like with any product, it's always made for people and made to attract people who don't currently use it or buy it. Because nine times out of ten, if someone's already had it, it goes to the same with mobile phones. People who say buy Apple or buy Samsung. If they've already got a device, no matter how much newer it is, nine times out of ten, people will go and get the new version of it. They will watch the new version of it, even if it's only once. But if they're completely new to it, they're the people that you want to bring in. You want the new blood coming in. And having something that is completely classic looking, as I said I don't think that would sell. No. People are going to look at that going, no. That just looks awful. Gumdrop buttons and wooden slat memory cards. Such futuristicisms. But Star Trek is known for looking to the future, and a lot of generations have come up with these ideas based on what they've seen. We created the future out of the Star Trek that we saw Therefore, it only makes any sort of sense that any future Star Trek, whether it is before Kirk or after Janeway, would be even further in thought and technology than what we currently have. Because what we currently have, we already made off the previous Star Trek! Now, what they've done with this is, as I said, they have put it in a position where... In the timeline, it's around the same position as people who first came to Trek 50 years ago um, grew up with. They've done something that is around the same part of the timeline as the newer films. So people coming in from the new stuff or people who came in with the very old stuff, it's all recognisable. Um so, yes, we're not going to get shiny new technology for sort of... The, it's going to be a, a, roughly around the same sort of thing that we've seen before. So it's not going to be as inspiring in that respect. But what we get is emerging of what we have seen, um, whether it's from the Kelvin timeline or Enterprise or TOS. Because you just have a look when, I think it was Lorca's um, ready room on the back panels. You had got displays that were very much like what we saw with Enterprise. Sort of the layout of the screens on the wall with the patch panels, not completely L-cars. So not what we saw come sort of the Enterprise D, but it's on its way. So again, it's merging that. Came to the phases, you'd got a mixture of stuff that we'd seen in the cage with a mixture of what we've seen in other places. So I think they've done a good job of, sort of going down the middle ground sort of thing. They've allowed for a position where no matter where you've come into Trek, 
whether it's brand new Kelvin or any of the other previous incarnations of Trek, you can come into Discovery and you can recognize what everything is. Um, Sybil has actually said in chat, holographic communications was lost to later series in Star Trek. Um, yeah, we do have holographic um, technology, um, but we could find out that it was something that has been used, but then got stopped because it wasn't secure or things like that. We, um, we, they may explain that away at some point, just like it took them 40 odd years to explain the Klingon f- or foreheads of having no ridges um, from when we had it in TOS. And we had the same sort of thing then. People go, ah, oh, Klingons don't have forehead ridges when sort of they came out in the late 70s. That's not my Klingons. But then sort of these days, people say Klingon. It's the sort of pasty head Klingon that you think about. It's not the smooth head TOS Klingons. So things move on and they change that they have to and they always will do and well to be honest it's just like sorry get over it that's my opinion anyway back to feedback no i was enjoying you ranting midnight i'm usually the one doing all this stuff damn i was getting i was getting places in timelines you had to stop ranting yeah <laughs> so uh, alex goes on to discuss brush fire I did not say that someone should have identified Rodek as Kern, or why nobody recognizes Kern, son of Moog, ally of Martok. I asked why nobody recognized the supposedly legendary hero, Rodek, son of Nogra, ally of Martok. I I did not even bring up the fact that facial recognition software might be a thing in that prison. If I really wanted to destroy that episode, I could, but it's just not worth the effort. I was just scratching the surface. Shrug. I mean, he's got a point. Well, facial recognition bases things on facial features, but they did surgery on him, so he wouldn't quite look the same. True, but he was Rodek of the House of Nogra, allied to Martok. An ally of Martok stepping into a prison that contains said Martok would raise some red flags. Well, anyone can be an ally of any other Klingon. I don't think they have a database going, well, that person likes that one, but just not now. Whoa, 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 back (laughs) up, back up. We're literally talking about the guy who who made an entire prison about uh, about arresting people who were disloyal to them dishonoring them in the afterlife by locking them up for the rest of their natural life. Like, in his own crew! And you're applying this, well, anybody can be an ally of any... Not to Torg! No, no, no. no, but he's not the sort of person who goes, well, he's on my list, he's on my list, he's on my list, I'm going to make a little database, put their photo in, and then I'm going to hook into all these security cameras. No, he's just going to go after, oh, that person, then it will just go after that one. I don't... Yeah, he doesn't there seem to... There was literally an RP blog where Torx, like, make a list. Don't recall that one. 
there yeah there there really was there was there was an entire rp blog where torg was dealing with quote unquote disloyalty in his own crew and he tells his first officer make a list and his first officer the scheming son of a bitch that person was goes i'm in love with this person and i don't like that this person is dating that person i'll put that person on a list I must have missed that one because <laughs> I don't remember that one at all. So yeah, you're you're making this argument, and I'm like, this is I mean, this is Torg we're talking about here. His dishonor is beyond being discommendated. At this point, at this point, if any of the Klingon gods survived, they would secretly themselves be plotting to bring some kind of godly wrath down on Torg for being this dishonorable. I mean, Christ. So Alex goes, oh, we're still in Alex's feedback. Yes, yes, we are. And you know what? We have three or four more novellas to go, folks. And, and, and I don't mean just of Alex stuff. I mean, we've had some major feedback this week. Victory is Life 2018. Don't forget there was that little uh, quote-unquote announcement in the trailer for, what was it, season 14 around STLV? Yeah. Yeah, we got a new trailer for upcoming content, and at the end we saw a Dominion fleet show up, and they seemed to use the new Tier 6 ships, and the tagline was Victory is Life, and it showed us 2018. So... They didn't announce that the next expan uh they didn't announce the next expansion, but for all intents and purposes, they announced the next expansion. I guess it's a huge leap forward for their marketing team. I'm still cautious about these uh sudden yet very welcome changes, but I have to give them credit for that. Well, who okay, I was it was it who was the EP when Brand Flakes was community manager? Uh, that would have been... Wasn't it Stahl? Dan Stahl? Yeah. It's, I, I, it almost feels like the, the, the marketing team hired Dan Stahl and Brand Flakes back just to make the Victory is Life teaser. Because, <laughs> remember, they did this whole thing with the Legacy of Romulus thing. I mean, that was, that was kind of, that was Brand Flakes' swan song before he left as community manager was making sure that all of this stuff was set up in the pipeline for Legacy of Romulus. Like, with the March Beneath the Raptor's Wings countdown thingy and all of that stuff. It was him and Dan Stahl working together. But, you know, well, yeah. As long as I get my playable Cardassian out of that expansion, I might be willing to overlook some of the issues it'll bring with it. The key word being might. No, I wholly agree. I, I kind of find it sickening that I I make a Cardassian character, get them the tier five galore. Which, thank you to thank you to some some very generous friends out there for getting me the the tier five galore while it was quote unquote on sale for quite a still high price. But you know whatever. Uh, and I make this character, and now they're bringing out Car maybe Cardassians, but definitely Dominion. Uh, well, let's hope that that if we do get playable Cardassians, they get playable galore ships or Keldon ships. Hell, could you imagine a Cardassian carrier midnight? Hmm, hadn't really thought about it to be honest. You know, 
that thinking about that, that would be absolutely fucking hilarious. That 2018 comes around, we get the new expansion, it's got playable Cardassians in it, with their own tier 6 carrier, and the Klingons still don't have their own tier 6 carrier! We all know Klingon lives don't matter. <laughs> just, 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 just make, just, just cut that wound a little bit deeper, Midnight. You know, yeah, just, just a little bit deeper. Just pass me the Batman. <laughs> Here's a pain stick. Woohoo! Beyond the Nexus. Okay, people complain that Jordy welcomed us as if we had met before. I don't agree with that assessment. I do think that he could have had the courtesy to properly introduce himself, but that's a different topic. I'm not even going to complain that the story is pretty much a retread of that removed Franklin Drake episode in the old Cardassian arc. I mean, back then, Drake claimed that an Undine had infiltrated a Federation starship. And back then, only the telepathic species... Oh, and back then, only the telepathic species were affected and taken over. While this time around, they're immune or resistant or something. While everyone else is affected and taken over. I didn't... I did not recognize Lonnie Manella, but if I had to place a bet, my money would be on the Cation Captain. Though the distortions and the other digital processing, uh, it's a little hard to tell. I did recognize Commander Tafai. She showed up in a few of the more recent episodes. I'm afraid that Cryptic might turn her into the next Hello Tanae. And son, I'm not sure if that was Adrienne Grady. When I replayed the episode, I thought that the Akapa bartender sounded more like her. But then again, neither of these people is an over and misused as Lana Manila. Uh, Lani Manila. Uh, okay. No, I, I honestly, I think both of them were Adrienne. Because the, the, if you listen to the way Adrienne speaks, she can shift from a voice like the Vulcan lady to a voice like the Akampa. And it I, I I've heard it before and not just like not just on a whim. I've I've heard the different iterations of her voice because she's played several different different parts. So hearing her twice in the same room I went, huh, that's that's kind of awesome. <laughs> she is slowly turning into the next Hello Tanae, but I don't mind it because I know Adrienne, and Adrienne's kind of awesome. I bet if I knew Lonnie, I would not have a problem with her being everywhere because I bet she's awesome too. I just, as an audiophile, I, I just kind of listen and hear the thing, and I go, oh, that's the hello again, hello again, hello again. Oh god, hello again. If they start overusing Adrienne, like, insane amounts. I'll probably get that way with Adrienne's voice. Not Adrienne herself, but just the fact that they keep using, that they'd keep using her over and over again in Star Trek Online. But Alex goes on. The, uh, the villain existed. Do, do we get to learn more about him at some point? I guess we'll have to wait and see. But let's talk about something else. Reginald Barkley. Sun questioned why this holo program was used in the episode. Do you really think he voluntarily shared this kind of program with Starfleet? I 
doubt it. So why is it used? Well, isn't it obvious? Because it's funny. It's so funny to point at the socially awkward guy who is, or at least was, so obviously lonely and laugh at him at his weirdness as, you know, he's a walking punchline. A joke. Like Jordy says in the episode, that's definitely a Barkley program. Cue sitcom laughter track. Let's forget that he got character development and at least tried to become a better person. Let's forget his involvement in the Pathfinder program. Let's forget the context that Barkley was a bit of a joke in TNG because every show is always a product of its time. And some things that were once acceptable may be frowned upon today. Let's forever remember him as being a creepy weirdo instead because that's the kind of message of Star Trek. Or something. I was with Cryptic when Klingon Gate happened. I didn't mind the overly on-the-nose message on New Kentar, even though it was about as subtle as a sledgehammer to the face. It could have been done better. But this kind of ridicule is just unnecessary. Come at me, story team. Hashtag I stand with Barkley. Well, actually, I can see why Barkley would do that and why it would be shared. We've been at war with the Borg. So if he had been developing a training... No, hang on. If he'd been developing a training program and which... Because he knows people from Voyager because of all their experiences with the Borg, that is why a ship would have his program. That was not a training program. No, it was a program which was activated to trap the people there. So that wouldn't have been the entire reason for the program it was altered let me give you the context of a yup that's a barkley program okay at the end of this program quote unquote end of this program laforge cuts off the program before it fulfills itself the entirety of the program is essentially what we saw with barkley's Three Musketeers program. Oh, please, good Sir Knight, help save me from the Borg. You save from the Borg. Oh, how can I repay you, good Sir Barkley? Enter sex scene with Barkley. Cue laughing at the creepy social awkward guy. That's what that program was. That's why I had a question about why that program was used. Because that's exactly what the point that they were trying to make with that. I didn't see that at all. Of course you didn't. Because you're not the type of person who sat there and saw that when they watched TNG. And felt that way constantly. Like you were a fucking joke all the time to everybody because you weren't normal. And you couldn't form these social relationships. So you created your own little world to escape from all of that, that you did have this life of the party kind of mentality where you were the center of everything and it didn't matter if the outside world hated you because these people accepted you. That's why I question this program. To me, the reference to it being a Barclay program is a fact that when it comes to Reg and holograms, things tend to go wrong. Which, in this case, it got activated as a trap for them. That's what I got from, yep, this is definitely a Reg program. Things have gone wrong again. That's, no, that's not the context of that. Well, that's how I took it. That's how I saw it. I understand, 
but that's in no way what that context meant. And I will forever dog the the story team for that. It's not even a misstep. That was just fucking cruel. And it was unnecessary. I still don't think that's their point in that. If that wasn't their point, then someone in the story team and the content department better damn well rewrite that section. Because it's ridiculous to have that continue to be a running gag. And and yeah, I I'm pissed about it. And I'm <laughs> I'm not afraid to admit it. I'm I'm kind of on the verge of tears right now discussing that because that really got to me. Of of all the stuff in that episode, that is the one thing I don't want to talk about, but disturbs me the most because with Barkley it was all about being so socially awkward that the hollow addiction was not so much addiction as it was social escapism. And yeah, he formed like these unnatural kind of even somewhat sexual relationships. I mean, does nobody remember the fact that he literally made Troy like this goddess of compassion and love and sexuality who was willing to embrace anybody who was in the holodeck at that time including the actual troy but no 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 it's 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 funny to make fun of reg it's always funny to make run fun of reg's problems because reg and uh, speaking of reg that girl on the new trek she is so much the new reg it's unreal i never got that for- sort of vibe with her character i guess when we find out more about her time will tell she's 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 the reg character she's just a different kind of reg uh by the way after um after chozo after i read this on friday i i posted under chozo's comment and said i am so stealing your pound signed thingy because he says hashtag i stand with barkley and anybody who knows what that symbol is, it's it's called the pound sign, but we've all taken to ho- calling it a hashtag. I, for me, it's always been hash, because in the UK, um, we actually have the pound. The pound sign is completely different, because that's the currency. So, yeah, <laughs> for us, it's always been a hash. We right, always ha- I understand. So... So, Chozo Eldrasek responded and said, On timelines, son, you can make that exact argument about Stowe. It's a bunch of clicking through menus and UI. If we're talking about uh, Admiralty or Doffing, then yeah, it's just clicking. The same can't really be said for the combat. I would say Stowe is a whole lot more interactive with things such as the absurd amounts of... The absurd amount of build options, manually flying the ship, positioning your cannons, weapons, arc, etc. A lot closer comparison would be uh, turn-based RPGs, but I still find many of those enjoyable for their stories. Sometimes the soundtrack alone is good enough to sell me on a game. But even in terms of gameplay, there's still a great sense of satisfaction when a boss beats you down to a sliver of health which uh, which fills the last of your limit, and you unleash uh, that Plim Hazard or finishing touch limit to break 
uh, touch limit break to kill the boss. So good. Super bosses like Ruby and Emerald Weapon are tons of fun to take down. That's a Final Fantasy reference, if anyone's confused. Thank you for letting us know, Chozo. I, I, I honestly, I, I, I'm, I'm a Final Fantasy pleb. I have only ever played Tactics Advanced. <laughs> uh, not trying to harp on anyone who plays mobile games, though. Everyone has a different perspective on what fun is. Sorry if I came across like that. Nah, like I said, text doesn't always project the proper inflection and emotion. So if I ever, like, misread what you wrote, please don't feel like you can't correct me. Please do correct me, because I'm, I'm here to provide... I'm here to provide the emotion behind what you're telling us. I mean, that's why I read these whole things out. It's exhausting, but I read these whole things out. Uh, the Lucari Nakam Scout Ship. This is actually pretty neat. I definitely don't mind seeing scrap designs make it in via other alternatives. Bring back the beta. Cryptic, do it. And what he's, what Chozo's referring to is the, um, during the, uh, Jupiter class, pick a ship what we designed the beta option was a really... That was a mix of a whole bunch of different classes of ship. You've got the mission pod from all the science ships. You've got, like, the overly wide saucer, like it's a galaxy kind of uh, ship. you got the super sleek nacelles, like, from the E or whatnot, attached to pylons on a hull that's reminiscent of Again, the galaxy design. Yeah, I could see that. You make a beta version, call it the Typhoon class. <gasps> oh, did 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 I say something I wasn't supposed to? Sorry. Oh, hey, look, zombies back in text form. Uh, so zombie posted in our forums with general feedback and says, "Hello, everyone. As I can't make it to the show, here are my thoughts. So hold on to your butts." Oh, okay, Samuel L. Jackson. Season 14. Really? This is a season? Seems what qualifies as a season gets uh, is getting set lower and lower. But as for the features of the new fleet holding... Oh, as for the features, the new fleet holding is pretty. But like all uh, of the fleet holdings, it is just too costly to advance for the average fleet in a reasonable time. Large or highly active fleets get all of the advantages here, and there is n uh, not enough done to help small or low-activity fleets to advance with these things. And with important gear locked behind these advancements, it makes sure that only large fleets get to continue getting members, and small fleets will continue to struggle. The new fleet queues are great. I've gotten to run them, both ground and space, are enjoyable to play. I'm not happy with the reward structure, especially the Lakari marks. See, this is... Okay, here's one. This is what I was talking about, Midnight. The, the holding is something that will be worked on for months to come, if not years. Lakari marks will not be relevant this whole time. This should be opened up to getting all marks, past, present, and future. 
then at least running these will generate relevant marks as well as gaining the necessary resources for uh, building tiers. A simple enough change that will make this a viable option for years to come. The Zenkethi red alert was interesting, but I had a network issue during it and lost all connectivity, so I will have to reserve judgment as of yet. Miracle Worker! I am very excited about this. I can now have my own Scotty or Trip to fix things with bailing wire and spit. I have already planned on how to integrate this with my stable of characters. Melting Pot Mission. Nice. The reveal was a letdown. I had expected something more than what it was. Not going to say anything more than that for now. Beyond the Nexus mission was uh, was nice also. It was thrilling to hear Jordy LaForge once again, but the alien bad guy was not that interesting. Underdeveloped and ultimately will not be missed if he never shows up again. I do think that they got the mix of ground and space combat just about right. Flight Deck Cruiser Packs. I love these ships. I bought the pack. I have one of my Fed engineers and my Romulan KDF engineer flying these things. I enjoy the maneuverability of them and the weapon placement. I see myself using these sh uh, ships for these guys for a long time. This has been the first time I've bought a ship pack, and I traded a lot of dilithium to get them. As for it being Enterprise Bay, it never crossed my mind. I was not looking at the ships as for where they came from, but strictly only if they are ships I find fun to fly or in line with the way I play my character. Version 3 of Timelines. Okay, the way they have layered things out this go-around is a lot better. The improvements are there, but, uh, the con uh, but the consistent thing that holds me back is the fact that I do not have a method to expand crew slots outside of outright spending money. Once they work this out, like maybe putting small amounts of dilithium in things you can be rewarded with on missions, is when I'll finally fully be on board with this game. Until then, it's just a game I play when I'm not busy doing something else. So, um, Zombie put his too long didn't read at the front of his discussion instead of at the end. So, um, should I read the discussion first or read the too long didn't read midnight? Do the too long didn't read first. Okay. Star Trek Discovery, TLDR. It's a show. Discussion. Production values and special effects are very good. Lots of money put into it to keep it from looking cheesy. Great job. Just wish that the form language matched up with Toss. But the uniforms and the bridge design uh, but the uniforms and the bridge design do not match up. I can't see how they get from where they are now to something that resembles Toss. And they have to do that if they want me to believe that they are in the same timeline. But right now, they can't be because there is, uh, there is no connection between them on that level. When TNG came out, the first motion picture had already come out. So Worf's look had already been established. And the fact that it was around a century after Toss meant that the basic form language could advance that far and be relatable still. Before even the, te uh, before even the Next Generation came out, uh, the Star Trek RPG by FASA had already released a Klingon module giving an explanation of why Toss and TNG look different. 
And to me, it was better, more plausible explanation than what Star Trek finally gave, gave us. The FASA thing was that the TOS Klingons were Klingon-human fusions or hybrids, artificially created initially, but designed to give the Klingons a way to understand and counter humans that they really couldn't comprehend. The fusions were assigned to ships of the older style, while the true or Imperial Klingons kept all of the best tech for themselves. The fusions were considered to be lesser Klingons or second-class citizens, and were never allowed to be in charge of any Imperial Klingons. FASA also had Klingon Romulan fusions used for interaction in the Romulan Star Empire, so that they had an understanding with their neighbors there. It was instrumental in acquiring the cloaking tech from the Romulans. This narrative covered all of the bases and explained why they never say the Imperials really before. But these new Klingons are just too much of a pill to swallow without explanation. Just another thing that throws me out of the prime timeline. The acting was phenomenal. Each person played their character in believable ways. Okay, before I get go any further, again, I'd like to point out, Klingon wig. Put it on any of these characters, even even the albino one. Put it on. Put it. Put it. Put it on these new characters. And watch the transformation. Honestly, watch the transformation by simply adding hair to these Klingons. I don't see the issue without hair. Uh, no, see, that's that's the thing. That's the thing. The only issue with these Klingons is that they lack hair. If If these Klingons had the glorious flowing locks of, like, Worf from DS9 or Martok or, God forbid, even Kaelas... Don't think people would be as pissed off with these Klingons as they are. Uh, but, I don't. I don't think it would suit them as much. I don't think it would either. But I. Th- I think yeah, it keep, just keep proves going. kind of. I think it just it kind of proves how weird we've gotten with the aesthetic thing, where removing hair, for the most part, the only problem is removing hair has created this divide in the community. That shouldn't exist. As I said, people, they expect, they have a vision of what things could be like. It's like in Stargate, people saying um, that the Jaffa should have this gold tint to them, which is what Tilk had at the beginning. But even that disappeared eventually, um, just because of production value and everything else and time. But as I said, people just expect things to be in a certain way. It's like bad habits. They like it their way and they don't give a crap for anything new. You get that every time for every new Windows update and saying new, saying different. Ooh, hate that. It's not what I'm used to. (laughs) Doesn't matter how many good things are added or how much more care is taken over it. People just don't like change. That's what it comes down to. Okay, at this point, I'm so exhausted I missed the point where you said Stargate and you just start talking about Jaffa having this golden tit. And I'm like, aren't they supposed to be covered in chocolate, though? (laughs) For those of you who are not aware, there is this little snack cake in the UK called a Jaffa cake. Yep. 
it's like a chocolate covered little cake with a little orange jelly in the in the middle of it. Indeed. Anyway, I'll continue on so we can get the hell out of here and I can go to bed. <laughs> the writing in and of itself was solid. Well done. But the story, oh boy. For those who have not watched not watched the first two episodes, this is going to be a bit spoilery. Burnham's actions are the downfall of the show. Not the character, but the sequence of events the writers chose to go to get this party started. She is made a criminal. Uh, I'm, I'm going to assume there's some misspelling here. We do not know enough of this character to be invested emotionally with her position and choices of actions. And because of this, she is arrogant, undisciplined, snobbish, and unlikable for it. I don't care about this uh, about this character's continued existence enough to want to follow her further. And as a hero, she is portrayed and written to be the villain of the story. She is not the hero. She has no honor, and she gets no empathy from me. They are hanging the whole story around her, and before you point... Uh, and before you point out that this is not the first time that they have done this, I will point out that this is the first time they have made the central character as the criminal. Paris was not a central character. Janeway was. Even so, I thought of Paris as an arrogant shit when they introduced him. And it took several seasons of development before I could see that he was changed enough to be likable to me. Ensign Rowe was an added character to an established cast. So was introduced, uh, and and was so introduced to shake things up a bit. But she never became an important enough character to be considered a main character. And she eventually defected from the Federation while on a mission to infiltrate the Maquis. These two examples are not central characters that I was supposed to like, and I want to continue to see. I never did like them. They were whiny little brats with high opinions of themselves and an arrogant air about them. Well, that's the thing. It's a different way of storytelling. You're not supposed to like the main character. And we get that with TV now. The central characters are not always the good guy. Just take a look at things like Dexter, for example. You end up... Dexter's not a nice person, not really. He's a serial killer, but you grow to like him and root for him despite the fact he is a serial killer. And that's where I see this is. This is a person who has, despite good intentions, not many redeemable sort of characteristics. You see that in the first flashback with her when she first joins the Senju. So... Part of the series is you following her in her story about how she grows and how, and especially with Lorca saying, look, help me fix this. It's about taking a quote from Voyager. It's about the journey. But yeah. Burnham was likable at first. She's the hero. I bought into her being a bit aloof and, and logical, but... Her just outright mutinying against her captain, rather than trusting her, was either a serious break in her character to date, poorly written, or she was never trusting of anyone. And the last part, I can't believe that Captain Giorgio didn't see. 
She was offering to get Burnham her own command. That's why I think it took her actions... Oh. That's why I think I took her actions as a break from her normal character actions. And the whole series just became unbelievable and hard to swallow. It would have been better if she had her argument with the captain, submitted to the captain's choice of action, and when it all went to hell in the handbasket, be able to smugly say, told you so, way more believable, and sets her up as a character that can think out of the box but still follow orders. Extremely relatable and likable and justifiable in her arrogance. It would also make the decision to go capture Takuvma later all the more important. The captain beginning to see the Klingons as she does and carrying out the attempted kidnapping would be all the more powerful, especially as we could then really understand why Burnham felt such strong emotions on Giorgio's death and on her subsequent qui uh, killing of Takuvma. And we would be so much more emotionally invested in her not being able to recover the captain's body. All of this could have been noted in the logs that allows Captain Lorca the method to get her transferred to his ship, where she then can be treated as an outsider. At this point, I'm not willing to have that fight. Uh, oh, that's a little personal, zombie. Okay. Um... I'm 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 gonna skip all of that zombie because that's a little personal. I don't I don't want to publicly be airing dirty laundry, so I'm I'm just gonna skip that. As for Romulans being a bad thing in the writers' room, they're going to shoot themselves in the foot if they maintain the attitude, continuity-wise. Romulans developed cloaks. Romulans sold cloaks to Klingons in exchange for warships. This is canon. Any alteration from this is diverging from the Prime timeline. And that is fine. If they just finally say that rather than continue to lie about it... Oh, okay, rather than continue to lie about it. There is nothing I have seen in this show in these two episodes that makes me feel or believe that this is the Prime timeline. That's all I got for now, or at least I think that's enough for now. Oh, God, that was a slog. <laughs> I think I'm going to take a nap after the show. My uncle, when Star Trek was originally on, used to think that um, it was Captain Slog instead of Captain's Log. Oh, God. Uh... So when someone says, oh, that's a slog, I just... <laughs> it makes me think of Star Trek. <laughs> We had another four-hour show midnight. Ah, no more length. <laughs> <sighs> okay, well, that's all we got for this week. So, if you have got any feedback, you can get in contact with us at XTC on Twitter and Facebook. You can find us on Google Plus and StarTrekRiser.com. You can also leave us a message via the holosuitemedia.com website in any of the Tribbles pages using the widget on the page, or you can go to speakpipe.com forward slash Tribbles and XTC. You can also get us in syndication at trekradio.net and subspace-radio.net on Wednesdays. And you can also find us on iTunes, and for North America, you can get us on Google Play. So... 
that's how you can leave us feedback. So, until next time. Hope you enjoy. Are, are we are we still looking for hosts, co-hosts, occasional co-hosts? Yes, if you're interested in joining Tribbles, um, as we've been off air because of a variety of reasons, always looking to have extra people on standby, um, or just joining us each and every week, which will be great. So please get in contact through any of the means already mentioned. All right, thank you for joining us, and until next week, take care, everyone. satellite radio for our remastered shows and more you can follow us on twitter at tribbles in xtc or if you have any questions or comments please send an email to tribbles in ecstasy at gmail.com join us next week for another episode of tribbles in ecstasy the only place where tribbles and klingons are friends